is what I have instead of coffee. Welcome to Box Press Radio. I'm Dan. And I'm Zach. And this is part two of the MMO discussion. Massively multiplayer online games. So if you haven't uh, heard part one, um, that'll be up on the um, podcast feed either tonight or tomorrow. And then part two will probably be up on Friday. uh, I think we left off. I don't know if we talked a whole lot about Final Fantasy XI. Yeah, we were kind of getting into into modern era is how we have it in the the show notes like the stuff that's you know some of it's still around uh very little of it actually um but it's it's the stuff that most people that played mmos started out on i think yeah i mean you could you could arguably put everquest in here too but this was kind of the the era where mmos gained more mainstream popularity yeah, yeah, I kind of, there was like kind of a drop off in games between like 99 and 2001. So I kind of considered that like the splitting point for like early and modern. I don't disagree. I think it's more just the popularity. While I don't think there was really that many people playing EverQuest, like it was still pretty yeah. well, in I, its I, own bubble. People were aware of it as to where I don't think most people were aware of ultima even most of us they game a lot meridian 59 i mean come on yeah i had never heard of it until we started looking into some of this stuff but um, then when you get to like final fantasy 11 and you know maple story and whatnot well that game that was pretty popular a lot of people know about that yeah and like maple story is like i think that's loosely called an mmo i don't i don't consider that like a true mmo um, I, I think that argument starts and ends somewhere around our casual gamers real gamers I mean, kind of, but it's also, like, the view aspect, like, the 2D nature of it. Um, like, the way that game works, it's, it's like a multiplayer game, but I don't think it's necessarily an MMO. I mean, I understand, but then it, it reminds me of our conversation about can an FPS game be an MMO? And it's like, well, does MapleStory check off all the boxes, you know? Yeah, it's and got- I... I, I don't know if it does, does it? Like, I didn't play a lot of it. I kind of checked it out and didn't stay very long. So I know that there's multiple versions of MapleStory, and I couldn't tell you which ones I've played, but I've played a couple. Yeah. And they have, like, yeah, there's, like, hub worlds and towns and quests. I just and... don't remember if there was, like, you know, loot and, like, yep. character progression and all that. Yep. Okay. I mean, there's like levels. I don't remember how much progression there was. I think that's dependent on. Like, I, I don't remember like a true skill tree. I remember you'd like unlock skills with the weapons you had, but I don't recall like ever seeing like a skill tree. As far as I can remember, one of the earliest versions that I played, it was a lot of like, go here, you do the quest to get money and make yourself slightly stronger so you can go to the next area and hit your sword at those things. Yeah. I don't remember it being very in depth. You're right. Yeah, I, um, I just don't think it had the. It's ca- it's a casual MMO. Yeah. I mean, there's there's MMOs coming out this year that are literally built to log in and hang out with your friends in a virtual space, and I don't think that's an MMO. But I, I think that's one a of the thing defining people want. I think one of the defining features, although of what makes it a massively multiplayer like social game versus like an rpg is is the specific parameters 
you know, if you're just getting getting on to hang out with people and maybe buy some furniture or whatever the hell you do in Second Life. Yeah, no, I'm um, I'm just saying like PG, that's, you know? no, it's not. Yeah. I'm just saying there's there's a market for that. People people want that sure. weirdness. I mean, I I'm one of those people. I love social games, but I, I don't see like I'm happy to I, socialize with you. But can we kill things while we do it? I mean, I I understand, but like I said, I grew up with Cybertown, and I grew up with a lot of. Um, I mean, like I grew up making a lot of a lot of my friends online and whatnot. So like. Same. Playing social games reminds me of that, but I don't. I'm I'm in a mood for that, and then I'm in a mood for I want to play a game, you know. Yeah. And let's be honest, we don't talk to that many random people when we do uh, most MMOs. Like we're I getting mean, on there because you and me are hanging out. So that's you know? that's a big difference between you and me with MMOs. I've always played MMOs as a solo game. Like I don't. Right. Like I played Final Fantasy Eleven with my boss at a job that I had because he got me to play it, and that's a game that you basically can't play by yourself. Um, like you basically have to have a party unless you just want to have a real bad time. Um, and in some cases, you legitimately cannot play that game without a party, especially if you're using a healer because you don't actually have any attack skills. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, you know, there were games like Star Wars Galaxies where they had, like, the dancer class. Where you literally were just, like, a stripper that had different dance moves as abilities. And <laughs> didn't actually do any combat. Um, and you can play Final Fantasy fourteen and be a crafting person and just purely be an economist and make money and not actually, like, ever really do much combat. Um, or well, that game kind of comes combat. with a... That game kind of comes with a heavy asterisk, right? Because you can yeah. just switch class whenever the fuck you want and be all of them. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, if you're, like, let's say you and I play that game for ten years and we've got, like, four or five classes maxed out and we're like, we just want to hang out. I'm just going to, like, log in and craft and use the trade, you know, the auction house and, um, you know... At that point, you don't really ever have to go and actually do anything difficult. You can just kind of go and grab the shit that you need. Yeah, um, you know, like you very much can just kind of play that as an economist. I really wish games would focus a little more on that side and a little more on the social side. Like, there isn't really any reason we can't do more mixing of like Second Life and MMOs, and I think we're starting to see that. I mean, with ESO, you can spend quite a bit of time, you know, just furnishing your house and shit like that. Yeah. And I like that because I want. The game gets really stale when I know that I'm going to jump on and then I'm going to go grind out a bunch of monster kills. But sometimes it's like, man, I just want to jump on and be a part of the world for a little bit. Yeah, you know, I I don't mind. I don't mind the whole, like, I'm going to go kill, like, a thousand monsters. I enjoy that. But if I'm going to do that, I want to play it in a game like Path of Exile, where I can kill, like, a hundred at a time. Like... If I'm going to kill a hundred like boars in World of Warcraft, that's a really boring, slow experience. If I'm going to go kill a hundred thousand mobs in Path of Exile, it's a really exciting experience. Well, I um, think you've got some games that are moving into a more active role now that internet gets better, too. I mean, look at Black Desert Online. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, fighting a couple of boars is at least kind of interesting. Yeah, you're at least able to use your combos and like use some abilities and stuff. You're not just like sitting there pushing one. And but then like waiting I, three seconds and pushing one. <laughs> I don't even mind that, but I have to be in a mood for it. And sometimes yeah. I just want to be in the world. Like one of the things I loved about Cybertown 
was like there was a first person capture the flag kind of game in it um and it was great it was a lot of fun and i spent hours playing that but that wasn't the main focus of the game even yeah like that was just that was a place you could do to spend some time and then there was everything else you could do that's kind of what i liked about firefall it I didn't was... get to play enough of it, unfortunately, to really experience it. So that. they had like their main gameplay loop, which was like they had a main story that you could go and do story missions, and then they had like the resource grind where you'd go and like, you know, put your extractor into the ground and pull resources out to get reputation or items or, you know, build another, you know, blueprint or something like that. Um, like whatever thing you were working on building next. And then it also had their PvP modes, which was just like a completely different part of the game. Like the game worked totally different. The skills were different. It was just like, oh, I want to play this instead. It was almost like playing a whole different game within the same game, which was refreshing. Like I didn't really care for it that much as far as playing it, but I enjoyed watching it and casting it. So uh, moving on with our topic a little more, um, how do you feel about MMOs on mobile? I mean, honestly, I, I have a hard time talking about it because I haven't really played one. Like, well, I played like, that I know, Raid Shadow Legends play... for, like, all of 20 minutes. Well, like, I know I tried to play some Maple Story, right? Uh, one of the versions of it I tried to play on phone a little bit, and it was fine. I just don't give a shit about Maple Story. Um. But I also know for a while, and who knows if this is even still a consideration anymore, but even fairly recently they were talking about trying to put Final Fantasy XI on mobile. And I don't know how I even feel about that. Like, I feel like it kind of gives... I'm so used to playing MMOs on a computer, right? I don't know how I feel about it on mobile. I didn't really know how I felt about it when they had it on PlayStation or Xbox. I still don't, to be completely honest. I'd rather play it on mobile than PlayStation. Like, I played it on PlayStation because a friend had it. Um, and it worked okay-ish. And, like, games like Black Desert and that sort of thing work really well because they're more, like, button-mashy, Devil May Cry-style combat. Sure. Um, but I feel I... like a lot of what... It, it's like strategy games, right? A lot of what makes yeah the game fun is a little bit of the complexity. And just as a... As a necessity of design, yeah, it's it's got to be simplified to a certain degree. Are you, that or you have like really frustrating control schemes like Warframe where it's like hold down this button and use the right stick and then push a button and do that while you're trying to move your character at light speed using the same controls but without the extra button presses. It's like it's well, impossible because you can't push one without pushing the other. That's not true. You can do what Final Fantasy XI did. Just slow it down a hundred times and make yeah. everything a menu. Right. (laughs) But the problem is like when you start looking into games like final fantasy 14, it's all fine and good until you get to the end game stuff where you're actually like, you need to start doing stuff quickly. Yeah. And there's a lot of other people and a lot of shit going on. Um, it starts to kind of break down. And I think a lot of the MMOs fail on console because people get to the end game and it doesn't work like the rest of the game and they burn out and they're like, if, if they're serious about it, instead they go and play on, you know, a PC. Yeah. Um, and then if they're not, they just, you know, go back to playing whatever other game they were playing 
or find something new, you know? I think a lot of that just ends up being um, part of the genre. Because like I said, with strategy games, like I know people have po- tried to put strategy games on console, right? But it doesn't really work. Like yeah. strategy games are just not made for uh, like, a controller. They're made for a mouse and keyboard. Yeah, like the closest anyone got was with Halo Wars. Like at least well, that recently, had yeah. mildly interesting gameplay, but it still wasn't. It wasn't interesting enough because everybody was limited by the controls and everybody kind of hit the same high point. Yeah. It was very level. I mean, I still, I, I think I still have somewhere a uh, red alert for PlayStation. Yeah. Um, well, they like did StarCraft it. on Nintendo 64 oh. was a thing, remember? Oh, yeah. I remember seeing a couple of videos of that. Oh, I it was a disaster. That's one of those things where I feel like I, even if I saw it in stores... I would have completely blocked it out of my head because that's ridiculous and I'm not spending any time. You know, I, I remember (laughs) seeing it in the store and thinking, how does that work? Right. (laughs) And then I was just like, well, no, I don't want that. I would play that on a computer. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Somebody gave me red alert for PlayStation. Like I'd seen it in stores before and like, I'd already played red alert and you know, it's one second of looking at it and being like, no, (laughs) um, but as far as MMOs on a, a mobile platform like my phone, I'm fine with it to a point. But my problem with phone games is if I have to put my thumbs on the con- like on controls on the sides of the screen. Yeah, I don't like that my much. my hands are they're not huge, but they're big enough that it's uncomfortable. Like I'm holding up my phone for the stream, and if I hold it like a controller. My hand goes all the way across the phone, and I have a Pixel XL or Pixel Four. I don't know whatever the new Pixel is. See, I have, um, a, I have the Pixel Three. I mean, mine fits kind of comfortably. Mine's like a mine feels like the the small the small original Xbox controllers, well, not the original bulky ones. My thumbs take up a good half of the bottom of the screen, and like I've played quite a bit of like uh, Elder Scrolls Blades. Which yeah, I that's think what works, I was thinking of. I think it works fantastic. I think it works okay. I think it works fantastic for a phone game. I'm not saying it's great. And, like, I know they put it on Switch, and I'd love to try that. Um, and I, I actually tried to buy a Switch this week, and I couldn't. Um, I looked a ton of places. Yeah, but, I imagine uh, now's probably the hardest time to get one. Like, Best Buy is getting them in stock, but they're selling out within, like, seconds. And I had one in my cart, and it was sold out before I could complete the transaction. I am still waiting on my Animal Crossing guide. Yeah, that I ordered back in March. That was supposed. You to probably come could out have went mid-April. to like a Barnes and Noble and bought one. Everything here's closed. Yeah. So everything's open here again. Which, like, to be fair, nothing around here sells strategy guides anymore. Anyway, like the only Barnes and Nobles we have is in the middle of the city. Yeah, and I'm not fucking paying for parking to walk to the only goddamn bookstore within an hour of my house yeah i mean the only barnes and noble near us is an hour away like it we can go 45 minutes to an hour in either direction from our home you know east or west and get to one so i go 45 minutes north you're you know like a half hour into lake michigan yeah everything we have around we used to have a ton of bookstores all we have now is used bookstores we do so, have we do have I can one. get a strategy game if I really want specifically Diablo 2. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we do have one bookstore um, that's like 15-ish minutes from my house, but it's like a, it, it's in a outlet mall that's popular with like Chicago tourists and stuff. So it's all like brand new books and like popular books. It's not like strategy guides and manga and stuff. It's just like the latest Daniel Steele novel, 27 times. Yeah, we have a we have a books a million and it pretty much works exactly yeah. like that. Like yeah. I remember going and looking for books on Tesla and they're like, well, we don't have that. But we've got Harry po- all the Harry Potter books with 17 different covers. And I'm like, great. Yeah. I want to learn something, though. I, I hear bookstores used to be the place where you can find help with that. Now that's YouTube, okay? You go to YouTube to learn the things. You're not Because wrong. everything on YouTube is right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but no, I, I, I think MMOs on a cell phone are fine, but I don't think they actually work as you would want them to feel like they suffer from the same problem as a controller where it just you have to limit the complexity um, to a certain degree the one interesting thing that has come out of like games on mobile for me that's like affected me is games like hearthstone when they put out um battlegrounds on mobile mm-hmm. they kind of learned like hey if you're playing on mobile it takes too long to do things so we need to speed up all the animations and then everybody was like, oh, fuck you. Put that on everything, not just mobile. So they actually <laughs> found a way to improve the game by putting it on mobile that affected all of their player base, which was kind of cool. Fair. So, Fair. L- l- nice little lesson there. Yeah, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's on impossible. Mobile, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of. Yeah, like I don't think it's inherently bad. I, like I'm not against mobile games or cell phone games. Right. I don't think I want to... The problem with putting an MMO on a phone... Think about how long you play MMOs, typically. Like, a short MMO session for me is like an hour. Dude, I know a lot of people, specifically women, that a good 12 to 13 hours of their day is spent on a phone. See, and I I don't know how they do it. Like, I guess they sit sit by, like, a, a power outlet all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and I guess technically I do too because I use a I use a computer that's plugged <sighs> into the wall. Yep. But also I have a. It's uncomfortable to use my phone first of all when it has a wire sticking out of the side of it. Um. Yeah, but we're used to sitting at like desks and shit too. I mean, we're talking about. Yeah. You know, you just I have wear a keyboard, com- a mouse, comfy, and they, you know, you just they're just sitting on like you know, and I have a thirty-two inch monitor in front of me too. <laughs> <laughs> like i i don't have to like hold it close or hold it up or position my arms a specific way typically um that's no, like one of my friends is a hardcore casual gamer which seems like the weirdest thing i've ever said um but she is i swear to god she has like a, a massive phone addiction she'll have like 17 18 different games in her phone and she will be at end game for all of them mm-hmm. you know and it's like bubble witch saga and shit where it's like yeah i'm at like level 8063 and i'm like what yeah i know uh why i know <laughs> justin wong like one of the big fighting game players um yeah he's really really into the mobile games like the ones where you like um collect the cards and like level them up and shit yeah he's he's really into those um, so there's there's definitely like serious gamers that are really really into their mobile games. 
Well, oh, what, what I was going to say is, like, so so my friend that does that all the time, what she'll do is she'll just wear comfy pants and sit on the couch and just play, like, play those games. And it's really weird to watch because, yeah, there's no desk. There's no keyboard. She's even still doing the two screens. It's just that one screen is her phone and the second screen is the television. But let's be honest... It's exactly the same. We're playing, you know, half the time we're playing games on one screen and so, watching internet TV on the other one. Like, <laughs> So the other thing is I know that there's a, there's, well, there's not a, there's a bunch of apps on PC that will let you play phone games. Yes. I've um, seen a couple. I think I did. I think I used one at one point for Puzzle and Dragons because I really like that game. Yeah. There, there's a lot of people out there that they they play games like clash of clans and like stuff like competitive games with a a keyboard and a mouse um on their pc because like we were just talking about they want that second monitor they want to stream it they want the comfort they want the utility of having multiple monitors and other programs running um and i think that's also the reason you'll you'll never see like a big mmo um like world of warcraft style on a cell phone because it's it's extremely easy to hack that sort of thing when you can run it on a pc and it's made for a cell phone yeah um, i think true. they they have to come up with a way to lock it down so much so that they probably just alienate their player base out of existence yeah and also right. also there are a ton of mmos in Asian countries. Like they're just not big here, but they're, they've been big over in Japan and China, Korea for years. Um, yeah, I tried, I tried playing a lot of them when they, when they come here. One there's of a them, bunch that don't even come here though. Like there's yeah. hundreds and thousands of them that just, well, there's we've a, never there's even a, heard of. There's a lot that have started coming here and I can't even tell you the names of them because they're still entirely in Korean. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we get simple ports, badly translated ports of them here. It's like Perfect World International. I played that for a while. Yeah. Um, that's horrible if you're playing it in English. I really hope it's a lot better if you're playing it um, with the actual language and the way the menus were supposed to be made. Um, but yeah, I, you know, there was always a ton of people on that, and I never hear anyone talk about that here. It was a decent so, game. I liked so it. So the most popular game on mobile in Japan in 2019 was a game called Fate slash grand order that earned 71 billion dollars in japanese yen one sounds and it's familiar a turn-based tactical role-playing game yeah that one sounds familiar i've downloaded a lot of real weird crap on my phone um, so i don't know and then yeah like puzzle and dragons was was a popular one oh, that one's um, so great like fate is the one that's been around since like 2004 it looks like um maybe earlier like 2002 and then Grand Blue Fantasy, Azure Lane, Monster Strike, Princess Connect, Redive. Um, but yeah, there's a bunch, and they make a lot of money. And that's I think that's the key, though. Japan is real comfortable with turn-based. The yeah. U.S. is not real comfortable with turn-based. I like it. Like I grew up on that Japanese RPG thing, and most people just don't get that. I'm I'm a little in between. Um, I hate the reliance even more and more so over time on the action stuff because I want, 
I want to have fun. I want to stay engaged when I'm playing an MMO, and I want to feel like I'm contributing more than just hitting like one or two. But I don't want to feel overwhelmed, and I feel like there's no there's no game that's really perfected much of it in between. It's either a slow grind or it's just nonsense all feel, over the screen. I feel like the the closest thing for me as far as like a turn-based RPG that's not a grind is like a tactics game because it's like a it's almost a puzzle and it's hard to get a grind in that because you're just kind of going through the story, right? Right. But like if you try to apply the MMO logic to that, it just kind of becomes the never-ending puzzle that just gets pro- progressively harder. Um and I don't think that's really something that appeals to people is they don't they don't necessarily want it to just be real hard forever. People want it to be like, you know, a little bit more exciting. They want some things to change. Like when you play a game like Final Fantasy 14, there's a vast difference between like level 20 and level 60. Like what you're doing as far as like how many skills you're using, how many players are in a party, how, you know, how many different abilities the enemies use, how much you actually need to move around during a fight. That's it. That's what Guild Wars is big on. Like they restrict how many skills you can have, but then it becomes really big on the builds, and I don't want to spend forever doing that. Yeah. Um. And 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 movement, where you've got to be all the time, and how you got to be moving is is ridiculous in that game. It's fun. It's exciting. But... Yeah, and it's it's interesting too, like how MMOs have changed from like. The biggest one, I think, like the one that everybody thinks about is Star Wars Galaxies, right? So when that game launched, there were no Jedi. And eventually there was a really long, elaborate, time-consuming and expensive quest that you could go on to become a Jedi. And it was like a big deal if you if you were a Jedi in that game. It was rare. And people knew you spent thousands of hours getting that status. Hmm. Oh, we got a badass um, over here. Yeah, pretty much. And, like, there was definitely the divide of, like, our our clan doesn't allow Jedi because those people are assholes. And then there's another clan that's, like, only Jedi. It's the Jedi Council over here. Um, but, you know, it, it's... I, I think that's an interesting thing in games. I kind of wish more games did that sort of thing. And then eventually they kind of gave in because the vast majority of people were like, Hey dude, I don't have 2000 hours to spend grinding stormtroopers. Can you maybe make it so that we can just play a Jedi? And they did. They were like, buy this expansion and be a Jedi. And then eventually they were just like, Hey, everybody can start as a Jedi now. Um, and like, I, I think it's an interesting, um, an interesting progression when you look at Star Wars The Old Republic now, the newer Star Wars MMO. When you do start as a Jedi character, there's like several different classes of them. And you don't start with the lightsaber. Like you actually have to go on a quest and get your lightsaber and stuff. Like you spend like a good 20 levels with just like an electric stick. Basically a, a big old taser. Um, before you're, I think it's called a vibroblade, which is slightly... Yeah odd um but i it's, remember those from uh kotor was not yeah yeah that's the old yeah yeah, yeah. kotor yeah mm-hmm. um 
But yeah, I think I think that's a better way to handle it than to go from hey, you got to spend a billion hours doing this um to hey, you got to actually go through like the training and start out as a a weak little bitch padawan and eventually you learn the skills and shit. Um even if you do get to start with like force lightning early on because force lightning is great. I'd really like to see the way that people handle economies in MMOs change, and there have been some that have tried. I really like Path of Exile's attempt at doing like more of a resource-based economy. Yeah, it's pretty unique um, in that aspect, too. I think it needs to be developed upon, um, but like for, for instance, it feels weird. A lot of games have a crafting system, right? Right. Um, but the problem at the end of the day is generally who gives a shit everybody everybody well, can do crafting that... and if you have enough money you can just buy everything from the auction house so there isn't really like if i join a guild the fact that i am a master armor smith eh, well that's that's why really it's interesting that much that's why it's interesting in path of exile right because the crafting materials are the currency so by amassing that huge amount of currency and exchanging it you might be able to exchange it for the item, but it's probably going to cost more than it is to just build it. But there's also a chance that you could spend 2000, um, you could spend like 2000, 5,000, 20,000, uh, jewelers orbs and not get a six socket or a six linked socket item. Um, like it is, it is truly RNG based. So yeah, like, I'm not a big fan of that, but well, yeah, and I mean, like at some point, it it gets a little weird, um, but people also complain like that, and they said, "Oh, okay, well, here's a crafting system to spend X amount of currency and get a guaranteed thing." You know what I mean? Like you put it in a crafting yeah. table, and instead of like, you know, the odds, like you can go look at odds tables. And it might be like an average of 10,000 orbs to get a six link item. And then if you go to the crafting table, it might be like 10% over that. So you might get it on your first try, right? There's a chance. Like there's just as good of a chance you get it on your first try as your 10,000th try. So a lot, like the vast majority of people don't go for the perfect roll except for things like six links. Because that's like one of the biggest things in that game specifically. But generally people just roll for things that are like good enough. So I like that that system's there as part of the game. Now I wish MMOs would take kind of the same concept but do it with other players. Like I don't really know what the point of having a lot of crafters are in games if you can just buy most of the stuff. Like, if you can just go to the, the store from the NPCs or in late game, just go to the auction house and buy it. Well, and that's, you know, that's it doesn't the thing feel like... with Path of Exile that's different than, like, an MMO, though, is it doesn't have set-in-stone builds, and people are crafting stuff for their own weird builds. Like, somebody might be playing an almost identical build. Like, two people might be playing the, a, a, a character with the exact same skills but they might be playing two totally different character types so one might be a templar and one might be a witch but they might be using the same skill and in doing so 
their stats mean they have to get totally different items with the same skill advantages. So you end up having people need to kind of craft custom items for themselves. Whereas in an MMO, if you're playing a warrior, you need the same item as every other warrior playing that game. There's no need for custom crafting. No, what I meant was more like... uh... Okay, so if you've got blacksmith as a crafting thing, right, and you got to put some real time into it, I-, I want to feel more like, oh, we really need to find a blacksmith in our guild. We don't have one, and we need a regular blacksmith because we need a blacksmith to be doing stuff. Instead of what happens in reality, which you might send a, a message out going like, hey, is there anyone in the build- guild that can get me this for cheaper? But otherwise, you're just like, eh, fuck it, I'll go to the auction house. Yeah. You know, I think removing an auction house or removing um you know being able to buy most of your stuff from npcs and having to rely on other players is a better way to go and that's what a lot of the earlier rpgs were a lot more like well and like warframe i, I think is that a little way. they were a little too harsh on it but i mean warframe you know, I, is that way now like you can go to the the orbital relays like the big space stations and stand around in the lobby and you know, it shows your items for sale above your character and you can walk around and yell like, hey, you know, X price or whatever. Um, the problem is these websites can't stop third party websites. The games can't stop those. Yeah. So like Warframe ended up with a website and Path of Exile did the same thing where they they initially just had trade chat. And then people were like, this sucks. I'm going to make a website that ties into the game and people can just put their shit up for sale and then copy a chat message and direct message the players for sale, just like you would if there wasn't a website. And basically what that means is you're never going to be able to eliminate that. Now that, that is the reality that we live in. Um, so yes, it would be cool if players could just be like, Oh, well we got to sell it the old fashioned way and have a community but it's not going to happen it's like saying well society would be better without the internet basically you know it's kind of the equivalent of that like well short of some massive disaster that's not going to happen i mean i feel like it wouldn't be that bad if you actually had an in-game system which pushed people into the right directions i mean you can make your economy simple world of warcraft's economy is pretty simple but eve online's economy is everything in that game is complicated as shit you could do kind of an in-between where it's like, hey, you're playing a warrior. If you're not joining a guild that's going to get you that stuff, then you're going to need to... Let's take uh, Elite Dangerous, for instance. If you want to trade in certain areas, you need to buy a trading that, pass to that area. It's a great game. Please let me know if you do. Um, but yeah, like you just be like, okay, you want to go join this trade network, or you want to go... Like, yeah, this city's got shops, uh, but the players here are restricted to mostly selling, like, I don't know, something themed to the villa. Like, this is mostly where you're going to find magic stuff. So, you know, go talk to the players that hang out over in this area. They're going to have warrior stuff. Anything to really bring the players a little more together, because I feel like games, it's become way too easy to just solo all MMOs. Yeah. And I kind of feel like we're getting away from the massively multiplayer part of these RPGs where like the fun of it was supposed to be like, Hey, you're playing with other real people. And now you're just like, look at this asshole that's jumping up and down in the background and they don't matter. They're inconsequential. You'll never need to talk to them. 
Um, there's some situations where games try to pull it. I mean, I really liked Guild Wars for trying to pull people together. Uh, even Guild Wars 1, where it's like, hey, um, there's going to be a couple of people. Uh, you're going to need a couple of people over here. So go into town and make some fucking friends because you're not getting through the next part without doing that. Well, and I think, so one of the innovations that came from the current uh, current era that we didn't see really in the modern era is you would see games like Warhammer Online, while it did terribly as far as sales and player count and longevity, um, it was it was very innovative in its systems and its mechanics. Um, it introduced the, and I'm sure there were other games that did similar things, but it was the one that popularized the public event. So hey, there's an there's a a giant that showed up at the edge of town. We're going to need 40 people to show up and fight this thing. Um, that was like, you know, they had the world bosses and wow, but it wasn't like a progression thing or something you did frequently. Whereas in, um, Warhammer online, that was like a key feature. Like you would get together with a big group of people that you probably didn't even know and, you know, similar to the fates in Final Fantasy XIV, um, you know, that really pushed World of Warcraft to start doing public events. And Elder Scrolls Online adopted that and made that a huge part of their game with the Dark Anchors. Um, I feel like those didn't quite matter as much. Um, but out of like the current era, Guild Wars 2, I think, really, really hit the nail on the head. Um, P- like. It's, it was really weird to see, like, a hundred people get together for, like, a world boss thing, because they happen frequently. Yeah. And people get there 20 minutes earlier. Okay, we need Group A over here, Group B over here, Group C over here, healers in the back. We need our front line. Get, start getting ready. Like, cool. Right. Like, if I was a frontline character and I got damaged, I would run back, a tank would run forward, and I'd get back to the back line so the healers could get me. And I don't get that kind of thing in any other MMO. Right. You know, like you start playing ESO or you do the fates in Final Fantasy. And like, if you're a nice person, maybe you'll heal somebody and then fuck off because, you know, maybe you jump in and help a little bit, but you don't really need to talk to anybody. There doesn't need to be any coordination whatsoever. Right. Just come in, do your thing and then piss off. Well, <laughs> And I think most people are overpowered in MMOs. Like yeah. Final Fantasy 11 was one of those games where, you know, frequently you would be unable to fight a single mob um and you were definitely unable to solo a single mob one level above you um except for very rare circumstances you know like you would definitely need consumables and um the right abilities in a certain class whereas now like most people are figuring out like how do i fight the most amount of enemies at one time um, I think that's why we've been switching more to the uh, the level adjustment period. Yeah, you know, Guild Wars does that, ESO does that. It's got pros and cons. It's not a perfect system yet. Um, but I think that's why we're seeing more of that kind of thing. And to be fair, I was waiting for more games to do that anyway because I loved that Final Fantasy VIII did that, and I always thought that that was a great idea. You know, Final Fantasy VIII was one of the first RPGs where you never really hit for the most part, like there's hard caps, but there wasn't really a lot of I'm overpowered here and I'm too underpowered to go here. Like the game just kind of leveled up with you. 
So yeah. it remained a relative challenge throughout the entire game. I love that. See, I, and it I don't like perfect that. in that game either. I don't like but... the. I don't. I realize I really don't like the. The level doesn't matter. Like persistent difficulty thing. Like Elder Scrolls Online switched that where the world levels with you. I like having like zones that are certain level. I realized, and I know that's probably not the case for most people. Um, but no, I, that, I like the, the idea of like, cons I was talking about. Yeah, like, for sure. I, I like the idea of like, oh man, I'm in an area with like level forty monsters, and I'm level twenty. I shouldn't be here. Um, yeah, like that's kind of cool. Well, I think so. I, I think honestly, Final Fantasy VIII still had the best model, and people should probably go back to that game for a better idea. Because here's the thing: in Final Fantasy VIII, yeah, there there's that progression to keep a sort of persistent uh, level. Now, could people do what you do, where they super level at the beginning of the game, and then it's a fucking breeze for the rest? Yeah. Sure. Could you do no grinding at all and get too far in the game, and you're like, okay, I really should have done some leveling at some point. Also, yes. Yeah, I you mean, know? That's, that's basically the way people play Path of Exile is they use the minimum amount of everything they can to just get as far as they can at as low level as possible just to do it quick. And then when they start feeling like, oh, I might die, this isn't safe, they'll take a little more time and get some more kills instead of, like, skipping experience to kind of like equalize things out. And I feel like that's a pretty good balance, right? That is a good balance. Yeah. I think more games should, should do that. Absolutely. Um, and it, it's kind of weird too, because like I, I really struggle to do that. And I've found like, sometimes I'll force myself to play that way and run past anything. That's not like a big group or a, a magic group of enemies, like extra experience from a stronger group. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll skip all of it and I just force myself, but my instinct is you got to kill every single enemy, right? Like that's, that's just kind of the way I've always played games. Like, oh, you can't really skip stuff. And then when you start watching speed runs, it's like, oh, I can skip almost everything. <laughs> and that kind of like changed the way that I play games. Cause I'm like, oh, I don't have to fight every single enemy all the time. I can just run past them. Well, I think that's the the problem a lot of traditional MMOs have is that uh, either you can skip stuff, in which case, why does it exist? Well, and that's, you, you, that's how I played my rogue. Or you can't skip anything, in which case it's like you know, at a certain level, uh, I can't get to the level sixteen quest, and I'm level sixteen because I still have to finish this level twelve quest, mm-hmm. and these enemies aren't even a challenge. Or they're too much of a challenge. So this takes forever because by the time I kill one, right, they I have to sit here and wait for ten minutes to get all my health and abilities back so that I can go kill a second one. Don't worry, I only need twenty-five. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, pacing definitely got. I think dial-up held a lot of these old games back too. Um, because like Final Fantasy Eleven. I still like that game. It's very turn-based. I love all the menus. I don't mind it so much, but like, it's so slow. It was fine when we were dealing with dial-up or basic DSL, but now you're like, all right, man, this game is so, this game is grinding to a halt. My internet can do way more than this. Can we maybe speed this up a little bit? (laughs) Well, and at some point, like, there's, 
they never balance that out with like, okay, it takes forever to do this. So instead of, you know, you need to kill 20 mobs, let's make it, you need to kill five and it just takes a lot longer. And then, you know, if it's like a game like black desert where it's like kill 20 enemies, like, cool, I'll mash some buttons out for 20 minutes. Um, yeah. You know, they, they never really balance that out. Like world of Warcraft. It's like, collect 20 tiger fangs and you'll have to kill like up to like a hundred of them to get 20 and there's only 10 in the area. So you wind up sitting around doing nothing waiting for them to respawn because you got bad RNG and you got two fangs out of 10 cougars or jaguars or whatever you were fighting. Well, I feel like we've gotten to a point where if, if a lot of these MMOs are going to keep more of a traditional style, which is fine, yeah, I then like you need the to focus style. Then you There's need to a reason focus I play a lot classic more. Wow. Yeah, th- there needs to be a lot more of a focus on the world and the uh, and the quests themselves. And I think a lot of these games have gotten more stuck in a narrative structure, which is not what is needed. Like I get frustrated with a lot of WoW because it's like you know you're basically doing the same thing you've been doing, but in an area that's retextured. And you have to talk to a lot of people. Great, but I want I want things to be a little more interesting. Um, I mean, I really liked us starting off as the demon hunters in um, what expansion is that? It's not Burning Crusade. No, it's Legion. Legion, like that was that was pretty inventive. That's I like cool. that. Well, Unfortunately, you get to the end of it, and then you're just back in the regular basic world. And right. You're like, well, well like, that was neat. And you know, they kind of did the same thing with no or uh, goblins and Pandaren and Draenei. Like you kind of all started off in your own little zones that had a cool story and kind of a fun adventure. Like the Pandaren in particular were fucking cool. It was a super fun intro. See, that had a nice um, intro. I never felt like the goblins or the or the Draenei. I mean. That that's kind of the stuff that I didn't like, where it was like it's different. You're still it's still just a basic landscape, and you're running from here to. I mean, it's just it's purple now. Great. Right. Um, as to where like the demon hunter storyline and the and the Pandaren one, uh, there was more going on. It wasn't exactly like the rest of the game. The gameplay loop was a little bit different. The way that you interacted with the world was a little bit different. Um. That is definitely needed, and I know EverQuest still to this day tries to do that. Um, Guild Wars kind of tries. I don't really like. I don't really like the way that they do it. They're like, yeah. oh, you can get with the third expansion, you have mounts. The second expansion, you have a glider. I'm like, okay, that that's nice. Yeah. The games, the gameplay is not really any different though. It's just now you've got to fly from here to there or run on a mount. All right, okay. so let's let's take a quick interm- intermission because my dog wants out. Okay. And I'll grab another beer, and then I think we should get into the current era MMOs and talk about, like, D&D, Lotro, Conan, and Global Agenda. I want to talk about Global Agenda. All right, sounds good. All right, we'll be right back, guys. Hang on. My dude's just kind of walking around admiring the rest of the tavern. All right, and we're back. Um, so yeah, we were going to talk about some more current era stuff. Um, let's see here. So like we've got D and D online here and I don't know. So did you ever play Dungeons and Dragons online? 
I did for a little bit. Um, I don't think I got that far, but I know that I've played the tutorial at least 12 times. So I was a big fan of that game. That was actually one of the first MMOs that I played outside of World of Warcraft and played a lot. Um, I played tons and tons of that game. Um, and it had a really, really solid story. It had really interesting abilities. Um, its biggest downfall was the graphics were really bad early on and just generally kind of uninteresting to look at. Yeah. Um, but like, I feel like if they had made that game a couple years older, um, or newer, it would have just been so much more fun to play just cause it would have been nicer to look at. Like it's still running too. It's like one of the only really old MMOs that just has a super solid player base and comes out with new content and people love it. And like, they don't change much, but like they add a new thing here and there. And like, they have all their yearly events and stuff and people just get on with their friends and play the same game they've been playing for 10 plus years. And, you know, they, they had a couple of interesting systems in there. I always like it when people try to get a little more hardcore D and D. Yeah. Um, where like you had to scan an area if you wanted to look for traps, you know? Right. And the play style was really different. Like, you're going to stay back if you're a mage. You're going to Leroy if you're a warrior. There were actually ways to look for traps, set traps, disarm traps, if you wanted to be a mage. And, like, do like the gameplay felt different depending on what yeah. class you played as to where, like, a lot of MMOs, it's like, well, whatever class it is. We've got a tank, a healer, a and numbers. seven DPS classes. Well, like, if I'm playing Mage in uh, in World of Warcraft, and then I'm playing a Rogue, or I'm playing uh, a Warrior, like, whatever I'm playing, it's all basically the same. Yeah. Like, my character's position might be slightly different, but I'm hitting 1 through 10, you know, or 1 through right. 9, You're whatever. running around a little bit or not. Yeah. It's basically a difference. It's not so much different. Um, um, so that game tried to do some things that were different. I might need to go check that one out again, because I remember it being fun. So... The other game that I, I played a shit ton of for a pretty brief period of time over like six months, um, I played Age of Conan for like 10 hours a day every day for like six months. Um, and that game had a fascinating story. Like it had a really, really solid, fun, interesting story that had a lot of like, you know, alliances and like backstabbing and like player interaction and like hiding and over you know like overhearing conversations like it had a lot of that stuff it wasn't just like go kill 10 enemies and there was some of that um but like it had a lot of intrigue and it it was just an interesting thing like i think i probably spent like 40 hours getting to level 20 just because i was doing every single bit of text and every single bit of information um, because I enjoyed it and I wasn't rushing through it. See the, the, the sword and sorcery, low fantasy stuff was never really my, that was never really my stuff. So I never, like, I never really got into Conan that much. So I never really ended up playing that one. I know, I know I played exile a little bit, but, um, I like, I've tried watching the Conan stuff before and I just don't. It's, it's like Xena. I, I don't really yeah. care about that stuff. I, I enjoyed the, you know, they had like their, 
they're necromancers and mages and they have interesting like mythical creatures you get to fight um but yeah if like low fantasy is not your thing it, it's definitely not for you but it did have good systems and it and it had an interesting story it was it was well written um at least back then like i'm sure now it doesn't hold up like it did then maybe not i don't know some of the old story uh, some of those old games the story is one of the only things that does hold up right also also the only game where you could have your character get naked (laughs) so always a plus i'm kind of surprised there's not more of that like that was like a big deal people were like oh man this is like a only players over 18 um you know there's boobies like bad pixely boobies oh boobs yeah did you ever play did you play much of lord of the rings online so I, I tried to. I That was a game I never could really get into. I don't think I ever got pl- so, past like level 30 or 40, if that. I don't think I even ever got um, that far. Um, like, But I, I tried. That was one of those games to me that always felt empty. Like it had that some good ideas. My... But man, if it just... It, it always felt to me like this is a knockoff of the, the fucking story. Like, they're just trying to get people's nostalgia going, and, like, everything about it just felt like I was watching a bad theater play. So, I think that game looked like garbage for the time that it was out. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, D&D didn't look that bad. Um, right. It, Star Wars Galaxies didn't look that bad. Shit. Um but when Lord of the Rings came out, I was, I was, I'm, I'm not a big Tolkien fan. I'm not a big Lord of the Rings fan, but I was enough that I was like, oh man, the fact that I get to walk around some of these locations seems pretty dope. Like, I want to check that out. It was, I was cool like the artwork and the stories and the movies yeah. and sure. But it looked like dog shit. Um, and then you load it up for the first time to make a character and you're like, what the fuck is this? It's like barely better than EverQuest. <laughs> Like, this is some of the grossest-looking character creation I have ever seen in my goddamn life. And then you start walking around and having to just talk to these monsters and with all this (laughs) terrible graphics. And I'm like, okay, you've dropped me out of immersion entirely. I'm not playing this. Well, and that was the thing with that game, is they they wanted to nail the, the vast area. They wanted to make people feel like they were in, you know... Mordor or wherever the fuck you were at they wanted you to feel like oh just like the movies i'm gonna watch my character walk for 36 hours <laughs> like see i don't mind so that. the expense I just, I... of that though was they didn't have the technology or knowledge at the time to build that game and still have high enough res textures on the characters and right. the world models look so if you want to make a boring walking with... simulator i i've played plenty of morrowind like i'll do that yeah, you just but, you end yeah. up with twenty percent better looking EverQuest, unfortunately. Yeah, I felt like that game could have done a lot more. I didn't really feel much the fantasy or adventure. I just kind of felt like this was a a poorly made representation of of the Tolkien world, which a lot of people have been trying to create those. Like I remember some of the early Morrowind projects. Um, were based entirely around trying to make uh, the the Tolkien world. Um, I don't think they ever really panned out. But yeah. there was a lot of people that wanted that for a while, and I kind of wish it was better. 
I, and, I believe you know, we, I did hear, by the way, that a Lord of the Rings two is coming. Game, like a, yeah, like a new MMO. I mean, I'll give it another shot. I really feel like that one was horrible, and if they can go back and think they can do a better job, I'll check it out. Part of the problem for me is, I I didn't really grow up with Lord of the Rings, and I didn't really care for it that much. And then when I saw the movies, I thought they were okay, but I didn't okay. really like them all that much. Like yeah. they were just they were fine. It's um, really got to sell the world to me. If it doesn't sell the world to me, I can't get into yeah, it. Yeah. So when I played the game, I was like, I see why people would be into this because it's got like the nostalgia. Like that's kind of its main shtick. Really is like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm a thief from the Shire. Look at my hairy feats. Um, yeah. But for me, I was just like, this seems like a bad MMO. With like yeah. it had a few good ideas with like the you know, kill a hundred spiders and now you've got ten percent resistance to spider attacks because you really know how to fight spiders. Like that was a cool idea. Um it had some interesting stuff going on, some interesting classes and abilities for sure. I think when you were just a year away from Age of Conan and Warhammer Online. Yeah. It just didn't go far enough because yeah. those were the two I always heard about. And, you know, like I heard a, a lot of people, at least in our school, we went to kind of a nerd school, but I heard a lot of people talking about Age of Conan when that came out. And the that that fervor died within like two months of that game being released. Yeah. Um, and then there was Warhammer and Warhammer already has a very dedicated fan base. And I mean, so that game did terribly like as a mass appeal mmo like world of warcraft level appeal um yeah. but they have a fervent supporter base that is playing a private server that is free and they're developing new content for that game um, which let's be honest if you're taking something like the warhammer universe there's no shortage of content yeah i mean there's, there's not i mean you we're do... getting we're getting World of Warships 40k uh, battleships. So, yeah. Like, at what point? Let me let's think about it. Aside from the fact that you've got the two universes, you've got Warhammer and you've got 40k. Just taking 40k, based off all the codexes, all the books, all the source material, and then you take the how many fucking novels there are out there, and right. then just how much the the fan base is created over the years. Plus I think there's like a D and D version of Warhammer anyway. So sure. like, yeah, I mean, you're, you're not going to have any shortage of content on that. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it's an old enough game that it's not hard to make new content. Like it, the tools are out there to make new 3d models for that style of game. And it wasn't, it wasn't an impressive looking game. No, it was which, pretty average. It wasn't too, bad looking. Well, and that's the thing, to its credit, it took what it had and made it look good. Yeah. Like, World of Warcraft, by today's standards, is not an impressive-looking game. But oh, it looks I mean, fine. They do a great job well, with what they still have. And, like, look at the teeth on this bear, this rug in front of us. Like, it's hard, if you're just listening to the podcast, I apologize, but they're square. They're supposed yeah. to look pointy, but it looks like this bear got hit with a baseball bat in the teeth. <laughs> Um, he very much does. He has not visited the bear dentist. Um, <laughs> and it is very unfortunate. And he's also very cross-eyed. But like the game does enough with its colors and its designs that you can forget 
that the graphics are dated. You know? Like, you can still get into the world. It's it's fine. It works. Yeah. No, it. I think, atmospherically, Warhammer Online is actually one of the best MMOs. Like, the zones. Like, if you go to the Chaos main city versus, you know, the Empire main city, they are thematically 100% different. Everything about them is different. The artwork is different. The colors are different. The shadows are different. Um, I think they did an incredible job in that game, actually, with, like, set pieces. And they set, like, most of their quests within, like, these big set piece areas. So you're not running around in, like, you know, World of Warcraft, there's a lot of run through 47 fields where there's nothing going on. But there's probably, like, 35 boars walking around. Um, yeah. And then in Warhammer Online, it's like... Hey, I want you to go kill 12 cannoneers and they're going to be, you know, they have this city under siege and you're going to be killing those dudes. And there's going to be a city on fire and fucking demons flying around and there's going to be shadows everywhere and like vivid colors Um, or like I want you to go and fight these Imperial Knights and you go to the Imperium City and you're fighting, you know, these these massive you know phoenix knights and they've got this giant golden castle and huge windmills in the background like it's very cinematic whereas like a lot of mmos are just like we need a lot of space like we need a lot of open areas it's big well that's why i was saying like i think mmos have to head more in a direction where it's not the story that they focus on as much and not the gameplay that they focus on that much if they're going to have a traditional style they need to focus on the set pieces, the immersion, what can you do when you're not battling and questing? Like, what else is there? Right. Um, one of my favorite things from Guild Wars is the the puzzles where you the, actually have to do, like, platforming sections. Um, I, I mean, I like that and I hate that because I, I don't feel like they do the platforming well. Sure. But I, and, I do like the idea of it. And the fact that they are 100% optional is fantastic. I mean, um, they're but optional, the they're, but... The fact that they're also there and you can do them is also great. You know, I love that there's little things like that in there. Yeah, no, I I think they did a good job with that. And I like that, like, part of their completion is, like, go to the vistas and, like, look at this incredible area we've created. And they have a camera set to show you that zone in the best possible light. Um, I feel like that's really cool that they did that. I feel like those are the kind of things that developers throw in there um, just to make themselves feel a little bit better. And I think they should. I'm not against it at all. But it's one of those things where it's like, it's got to suck if you spend months trying to craft this one particular area. And then you're like, ah, this finally looks wonderful. And people just kind of go there for a quest or two. And then no one ever talks about it. No one ever goes there again. Or literally just run past it. Just run past it. Right. And now you've got a thing. They put an incentive in game. Look at it. Look at all the work I put into this. Isn't this fucking gorgeous? Like, <laughs> right. Well, and I like then, that. It's kind of neat. So not to jump ahead too far, but like with uh, Wildstar, uh, that they they kind of tried to combine World of Warcraft and Guild Wars as far as like completing science objectives and like exploration objectives, which were very similar, like go to the cinematic points and get a view. Um, They tried to do a lot of that stuff and then combine kind of the world of Warcraft questing 
with some of the Elder Scrolls Online active combat. Uh, you know, it was... It didn't work. Like, they, they kind of tried to do a little too much, I think, and I think people were a little turned off by the aesthetic, especially. Like, the people that liked it really liked it. Yeah. But the majority of other people were like, we don't like that, and we don't like the people that like that. I think we've been in an experimental phase ever since World of Warcraft came out, where people are trying to figure out what is the magic formula to get us back to a high popularity like that. And And the answer is, I don't think there is one. I think that ship has sailed where the novelty is gone. I think the ship has sailed. I think we're just in a period of experimentation where, I mean, we're... We're only just now finally getting to uh, a point in the past, like, several years where people are moving beyond just making World of Warcraft clones. And we're still well, trying to figure that, out what do, we point, do with, what do we do with the new tools? Who who can create that magic area that's just right? And everyone's still trying to make it, well, no, that's, but nobody's really gotten there yet. That's my point, though, is I, I don't think that there's a formula like... Let's make another World of Warcraft where we get the formula just right. I think it's what's the next formula that works for people? Like, what is the thing that people are like, oh, this is so cool. I have to tell my friend that doesn't even play video games because they think it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like we're not going to get there until we get to VR. But uh, well, and I I feel like I feel like VR is going to be one of those things that it's going to take a really long time to get it to the point where it's like real good and works intuitively. And I, I think it requires a level of intrusiveness into your brain. That's maybe uncomfortable for a lot of people in order for it to work the way you want it to. Like, I think everybody is apprehensive or should be apprehensive about something hooking up directly to their brain signals. Um, because of the implications of the reverse direction there i don't Um, know if that's i mean a lot well i think it'll be a while before we get there i think we'll get more people exploring and doing things in in just regular vr first and that technology is going to get better but most of the technology that we have now we've realized that you can just kind of read specific brain signals you don't have to attach really anything right you know yeah, Actually, and like you basically wear a helmet, you like, know. There's a there's a lot of like handicap accessible software out there that like watches people's eyes and they can move the mouse cursor with their eyes and click with a, you know, blink sort of thing. Right, and that's um, probably the direction that we're going. Like, yeah, there's I think the problem is like people aren't going that direction from what I've seen in development. They're like how do we make the controllers better? How do we make the headset better? They're not worried about like the interaction with it as much as they are with the device itself yet. Well, I also think that VR is currently in the dial-up era. Right. Right. We're like some people that are big into that and have some money, they have VR and you're seeing more and more people get it. And you got a lot of people that are buying the, you know, they got people buying the Zune because they think it's going to be better than the iPod, even though it's not, right? Right, right. Um, we're still in that early era era of it where... Well, and then, we'll, like, we had the, the PlayStation VR, and then they were just straight up like, we're not supporting VR with the next PlayStation 5. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, we're, not we're... on our radar anymore. 
I think until it becomes more cost effective and better at the same time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have a little time before that becomes. A I, thing. I think but we've got another. There. We've got another ten years of like Disney VR rides ahead of us. We've yeah, we've got ten Both. to twenty years before we see anything substantial yeah. for sure. Like we're not getting to the Sword Art Online level, you know, jack into your headset and lay down on the bed. And no, but I'm hoping we're gonna get there by the time. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping I'm, I'm there by retirement home. Right. Yeah, because if I could spend the majority of my ti- retirement in like Elder Scrolls eighteen, yeah, um, and just put a helmet and be on the bed and be all geriatric and it, shit, if then I'm I can, fine with it. Like, if I can <laughs> grind to sixty by killing boars, and only <laughs> boars, when I'm ninety, laying in a nursing home bed, my life will be complete anyway, and it's fine. <laughs> Which somebody just did that, by the way. Someone, how did he die? Grinding, grinding legendaries. Oh God! <laughs> it's like, why does he have a gold tombstone? Legendary. Like, Speaking oh. of games, games that we're trying to think outside the box. Global agenda. Yeah, was definitely I trying mean, to think outside the box. It was kind of ahead of its time, right? It was, and I'm I'm really upset that it never got that far. So it was kind of that class-based shooter MMO. Like they actually ended up tacking the MMO part of it on later. Because people were like, we love the universe that you've built around this like arena shooter so much that we want an MMO. And they actually tacked the MMO part of it on, like the RPG part of it on, like almost at the end of the game. It actually died within like three months of that launching. Um, and it was terrible. Like the RPG part of it was horrible. It was all either fetch quests or kill quests, like go kill 50 of these or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it had bad dialogue. It had terrible animations. Like it wasn't done. It was, it was like early access level, like alpha level done. Yeah. The biggest reason I stopped playing it is because my game was constantly like crashing and having yeah. errors and bugs and shit. Like, but like the actual multiplayer where it was just like arena class-based shooter where you could customize your equipment. God, that was such a good game. Um, it was a good game. And and I feel like that kind of set the stage for like a lot more class based shooters and like even some of these games like um Fortnite and Apex. Um games like Global Agenda kind of set the stage for like drop in with a group of teammates and you know, you've got your character with your abilities and you've got your setup and go in and do this like yeah it's not quite the same thing but i feel like it it kind of pushed that player base in that direction like it made them go looking for that thing that was like a step more complexity past something like you know unreal and quake yeah and just the fact that you can move around and have fun in it like the game just felt it had that Fun. open world, chill out, run around feel. And it had a cool yeah. atmosphere. It did. It had a really chill atmosphere. Um, I wish it had lasted longer. I wish they'd bring it back, but they won't. Because um, it's dangerous here's, at this point. It wouldn't be the same. Here's to you, Global Agenda. Good try. I'd pour one out, but I'm in my house. <laughs> uh, and then we have Star Trek Online, which is still it's cool running game. today. Uh, it I, is a pretty cool game. I, I just reinstalled it and was playing it again last night. I, I hated the walk around as a character part, like, on the planet, but I loved the 
um, space battle stuff. I I'm kind of fine with both. Uh, it depended on the story. Some of the stories were stupid, and just some of the planet surface stuff was real and bad. I'll, I'll be honest, but... my opinion on that game is very tainted because I I kind of dislike Star Trek. Well, like, to I don't... the same extent, my my opinion is also tainted because I'm kind of in love right. with Star Trek. Exactly. <laughs> like I I don't like I don't have a hatred for Star Trek by any means. Like I think it's kind of a cool universe. I just don't have any nostalgia for it. Like I didn't grow up watching it, and I remember like the first time I saw it, I was like, "Why does this look so bad?" Like, oh, those characters yeah. look so stupid. Like I was too old the first time I saw it. I think. Um, I my biggest problem with with Star Trek Online, they do a lot of things that's great, and it's especially as a longtime Star Trek fan that has had to watch some really shit software come out. And yeah. nobody even trying to do what most of the fans want, even remotely. Um, it, it tried to do a lot of things that people wanted. And I feel like that game, even to this day, just leaves a lot to be desired. Like, I love the fact that I can walk around my ship. And my ships look a little bit different depending on what kind of ship I have. And all. That's all real cool. I love that. I've been wanting to do that for years. It's not yeah. that interesting. They could have tried harder. Um, there's not really much to the ships. It's kind of like the planets. Like, oh, yeah, you can go down to these alien planets. It's not really much to look at or do there. Right. The stories are kind of interesting. The space battles are kind of neat, though those get old after a Every, while. Everything about it is, like, almost there. Almost. Yeah, and they just keep adding more content. And I'm like, content's great. What you really need is quality of life. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of menus. There's a lot of options. Navigating things in that game is kind of rough. Yeah. Um. But I still like it. I mean, it's, it's still a, it's still an okay game if you're into Star Trek. I got really annoyed because what a lot of people have always wanted is games where you can almost kind of like a life simulator, but be part of Starfleet, be on the Enterprise, go on the missions. And the most you get is either Star Trek Online, where it's all kind of half-assed and underwhelming, or you'll get something like Bridge Crew. Which is where... super immersive, but... It's it's Very only the bridge small. and only during these battles, and you don't go anywhere else and no other part. And considering Star Trek is like nine-tenths a space drama. Right. It's only focusing driven. on the content is like, eh, but there's so much else that I want in my game. Yeah. I don't know. Um, And then also, man, 2010 was a good year. Like Global Agenda, Star Trek Online, and then Final Fantasy XIV, another game. What, that's so still to be going fair, Final Fantasy XIV at initial launch, maybe not okay. the best year. <laughs> okay, okay. Yes, the first year or so of Final Fantasy XIV was the world's biggest letdown. Um, I think anybody, anytime anyone tells me that No Man's Sky is one of the worst letdowns to ever happen in modern history. No, no, it's Final Fantasy XIV's initial release. That sucked. Yeah, I got so angry. I had that the day that you could pre-order it, I got it. Months later, I had it. I had the collector's edition. I had all this extra bullshit that came with the nice big box. And I spent all day excited as hell installing it. I mean, I thought I was going to pick up my monitor and yeet it out the window out of just pure (laughs) excitement. Yeah. Um. And then it just didn't work. And then I went online and they're like, oh yeah, for most people it doesn't work. And then I would like wait a couple of weeks and they're like, yep, 
they don't know how to fix it. And then three months go by and they're like, they still don't know how to fix it. I bet. I guess you basically bought the collector's edition of a game that doesn't work on your computer. Yeah. And I was like, great. This, I got, oh my God, I was so fucking upset. So, Uh, and then when they finally said that they were, Hey, we realized this is shit. We fired all of the people. We hired a new team. We're going to make, make final fantasy 14 great again. And I was like, Oh, and then they actually did it. And there's a great, there's an incredible documentary that no clip, um, no clip on YouTube. N O C L I P. Um, Danny O'Dwyer is the guy's name that runs it. But, uh, he did a, a documentary on that and how they basically kept the original version of the game running and built an entire new game alongside it. And it was one of the most fascinating things because he kind of like breaks through that wall where you don't really get a look into the Chinese thought and the way they do things. Um, and he really bra- broke through with them and it's probably one of the most fascinating documentaries in video game history. Um, if you're into that sort of thing, it's, I, I, it's very, cool. it was amazing. It was fun to watch. Yeah. And I really liked the way that they did it too, because for the people that were still playing that bo- broken piece of trash that the original release was, which I was, they were like, by the way, they were like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have an ending event. And you're literally going to watch the it's, entire world. It's explode. literally we the are end going of the to world. Kill this. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going literally... to kill this world off and restart it. Like, oh, okay. This game is so bad; it's literally going to die in fire. And that's part of the story. That's that's canon. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's how thing, the man. new game starts. Final Fantasy XIV. To their credit, the people like Square and everything—they've got to be one of the only companies that have ever come out and said, "Hey." We fucked up, we're owning it, and we're fixing it. You never see any company in any industry ever do that. That that's that just does not happen. Well, and I feel like they're trying to do that with Anthem. Um, they've said it's going to be a long development process. We're going to keep the game going as it is now. And then we're going to have a whole new game. Um We'll see how that goes, though. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where the proof is in the pudding. Like, it, I guess with that, I think with Anthem, though, Anthem just felt it incomplete. Just, it just didn't. As, it wasn't that it was just incomplete. They kind of nailed one specific thing with the flight and movement. Everything else was terrible. <laughs> like, well, yes, but or barely game, adequate. That game felt like a lot of games now, right? Where they're like, we're going to release basically the alpha version of this game, and then we'll roll out the remainder of the game over time. Right. As to where Final Fantasy XIV was like, this is the game. It's just garbage. Well, you know, so like, I, I it's think... an MMO. There's going to be expansions and extra content. But like, no, this is it. I was <laughs> I was one of the few people that was not like I wasn't super upset with what Final Fantasy 14 was when it launched. It was just very generic Final Fantasy and very slow and monotonous. And I guess that was what I had come to expect from Final Fantasy and I was like, yeah, this is what I actually signed up for here. Um that's actually bought... how I felt about No Man's Sky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean it's a similar like way to look at it and I bought the collector's edition at Best Buy when it was on sale, like 
between the period where they announced they were remaking it and the period where it was shut down. So I actually got it for like 25 bucks for the collector's edition, which I still have like all the stuff for it. Um, and I got like all the, the, all the (laughs) in-game stuff. I threw mine out out of frustration and anger. I I actually really I, like, liked I don't it. Look I was at this one box of those anymore because I can't play it. <laughs> I was one of those weird people that was like, and I could no, I bought it and I couldn't play it. Like I actually had to wait until I got a new computer. I think I yeah. had the box for like three or four months before I could even play it. Um, and I remember like I was like, why is everybody so upset? This is exactly what I expected. Like I didn't expect anything less. It still looked really good. Um, it worked exactly like Final Fantasy XI, which is why people were upset. Um, and I get that. Like, I, I don't think I would still be playing Final Fantasy XIV ever again. Like, I might go back and play it again now. Like, not right this minute, but in in the future, I could see myself playing it again. The improvements um, they made to that game were, were worth it. It was good. But yeah, the, the new game that they put out is great. Like, it's better than the one they started with. And they definitely have made a lot more money than they would have if they had just let it go. Well, and honestly, that's one of the few games that can even be considered a, a quote-unquote wow killer. Mm-hmm. It's one of the only games. That, I mean, it's for as long as it's been out. The people that went to that honest, game haven't gone back. And, and let's be honest. Unlike most games, that game has had almost no additions to content. I mean, they throw a couple mm. of events and things in there. I mean, they've had some pretty expansions. big. They've had some pretty big expansions, though. Sure, big, but they're not regular. You don't get a lot. No, you know, like you you get used to a lot of MMOs now throwing out something big, like once a year, if nothing else. They they put out an expansion like at a quarter of the pace of World of Warcraft, right? Which is real um, slow. But even with that slow drip of content, like that game stays popular. Yeah. So we should we should mention, by the way, we're we're talking about current era MMOs now, um, like stuff that's still online, stuff that's around now, stuff that has started in the last eh, 10, 12 years ish. Yeah. Um, well, we're, yeah. Yeah, we're definitely moving up the list um, to under 10 years now. And then, so there were a lot of games, there was a period of time, and it, like, looking at the dates when this stuff came out, like, I realized it all kind of mashed together in my head. Um, I mashed together, like, DCUO and, um, gosh, what's the other one? City of Heroes. Yeah. Like, those kind of mashed together in my brain. Um Despite the late the 2000s, that early like, 2010s were they're just They're like a, seven years apart. Well, the, the, the late 2000s, early 2010s, we kind of hit an era where um, you, you had these games that were making so much money. You know, especially ever since World, uh, World of Warcraft came out. Once World of Warcraft came out, you just had every company trying to cash in on that MMO money. Yeah, I mean like... And so you had every, everything, every property... Everything had to have an MMO, and like they were trying to make it happen. Like 2007, 2008, 2009, World of Warcraft was just, like, the shit. They had, like, commercials. They had, like, these big actors and advertising promotions going. Um, 
Well, and I still it, remember us. Uh, it kind of blasted sh- everything out. Like, there was nothing else as big. Well, I remember, I think it was like circa 08 now. Um, that was around the time Wrath of the Lich King came out, I believe. Yeah. Where we were all, you know, we were going to the midnight release, and there was these long lines at GameStop, and, you know, people were dressed up like night elves and whatever other bu- bullshit, you know, yeah. just celebrating the fact that the new expansion was coming out. And it's not the first expansion. We're talking about the, like, second or third expansion well, they're doing at this like, point. They're doing commercials with Vern Troyer and Mr. T, and they got... You oh know, yeah, I remember those. West Coast Choppers making a a trike with treads and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like they had a serious advertising campaign behind that game. Um and like they still do some, but nothing like they used to. Um you know, it was like on par with like the stuff you'd see coming out for like the new Gears of War game and you know, like the really really big like Super Bowl level commercials. I think they, um, they kind of got, I think everyone just got burnt out on it. Because you still have a lot of people playing WoW. It's not like that game became unpopular. Yeah, there's still millions of people playing that game. But it's just kind of like, it's oh hey, out of... we, did, we did Battle of Azeroth and now we're doing Shadowlands. And everyone's like, oh yay, another expansion. Right, it wasn't, you know. <laughs> it wasn't different or interesting enough that it was a big deal in the general public that, like, People that didn't play World of Warcraft knew what World of Warcraft was enough right. so that they could be like, oh, yeah, orcs and humans and night elves and whatever. And Mr. T. And then, you know, I think honestly, you had games it, like Fortnite now is kind of the same thing where it's like you see the toys in the, you know, Walmarts and Targets and you see the commercials and the kids reenacting the things from the game. I think there's a direct correlation between how popular a game gets and how much the religious community hates it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's kind of like literally anything that gets popular, though. To a large extent. I mean, you've seen it with music and movies plenty, for sure. Um, but, like, let's you think about some of the big ones, man. Like, Pokemon. I remember all of the, the hate about Pokemon. And uh, World of Warcraft, for sure, was one of them. Well, Harry Potter. Um, Doom was... and Mortal Kombat, for sure. Yeah. Harry like... Potter was, like, number one. Oh, yeah, Harry Potter. Like I remember when they were banning some of those books from public schools. And I can, I can understand churches being upset about Harry Potter because, like, their religion is based on a book that says witches are terrible and you should Witch- kill them. Witchcraft is evil, yeah. Like, you will burn in hell for witchcraft. So, like, I understand them not liking Harry Potter, like of all of the stuff like Pokemon, like fictional, like animal breeding game, not that terrible. <laughs> like in the grand scheme of things, not that offensive. Hey, they're summoning demons and using their powers. They're not to summoning conjure them. Conjure Satan making through them... their body or something. No, I don't fucking they're, remember. They're just <laughs> making them fuck, okay? It's fine. It's just dog fighting, all right? This is normal. <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> this, this is sane. Um, Mortal Kombat made sense too, right? Because at that point, yeah, video games were violence. Donkey Kong and Super Mario, and all of a sudden, this dude was ripping that dude's head off. Like, <laughs> yeah, he pulled his head off, and the spine was still attached to it. And oh, like, pixel violence is the best. Well, and one of the things that people forget too about the original Mortal Kombat is it wasn't just like it wasn't just pixel. It was like live recording. Oh, that that mocap stuff it was mocap and that was kind of the, i feel like that was the thing 
because like we had video game violence before that. But when but they we had were no, like, nothing that looked realistic, even remotely. Not yeah. Like that. But then when you got to like blurry, real looking people, they were like, oh, no, no, no. You can't rip a, a spine out of a person that might actually be a person. Um, suddenly they had kind of crossed that line that previously cartoon violence hadn't passed. Like the Simpsons was fine for the most part. Like that was, They're you know, like yellow that was, and misshapen. They don't look quite like real people, you know? Yeah, like that was kind of like the thing where it was like exaggerated violence. Like, you know, Homer squeezes Bart's neck and his head blows up like a balloon. Like it's exaggerated. It's cartoony. And then when they get to Mortal Kombat, it's like, oh my God, like this looks like it could be a real person. And that dude just fucking pulled the heart out of that other dude and held it up in the air. Um, you know, that, that was definitely, I feel like that was the thing that made people kind of look at it a second time and say like, oh shit, what's going on here? Meanwhile, um, the rest of us as kids are just like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my goddamn life. Yeah. Do it 12 more times. <laughs> what are the buttons for that now? Yeah, how do I do that? Um, <laughs> but no, it, it's it's definitely interesting, too, to see like how far we've come. And then I, I did want to kind of talk about um, The Secret World just for a minute. Because I feel like that's one of those games where they really, really tried to go hard on the story. So it's kind of funny that you say that because we also have uh, the Old Republic on there. Yeah, which I I um, think is one of the best MMOs that has been made. Uh, you know, it's yeah, it, it's it's okay. I, you know, I'm not like super into Star Wars or anything, but those two games both really tried to focus on story. Mm-hmm. Secret World didn't do it for me, and as much Secret as I don't World really like, had shitty gameplay. Oh, the gameplay was just the worst to the point where the it became UI kind was of bad. You know, and it, it it focused so much on the story that I was kind of like. I'll just go watch a movie because it'll be more fun. Right. I'm I'm going to go watch Underworld. You know what? It'll be a worse it, it'll it won't be a worse time than this. Right. As to where like Star Wars The Old Republic, my favorite thing in any MMO to date and the fact that nobody else has done that pisses me off is the co-op dialogue where yeah. we, we can both pick things to say and it like being in a party felt like it actually meant something because we're all like, if I say something shitty and I piss that dude off, like, you guys we're, have to we're pay for We're all dealing with the consequences, yeah. Right, yeah. And, like, and in addition to that, if it's, like, three of us in a party and two of us say the nice thing and you say the shitty thing, the two of us override the one. Yeah. Like, it's the it most like basic, like, no-brainer thing. <laughs> um, But, yeah, nobody else has done that. Like, I feel like Guild Wars, Elder Scrolls... Like, that seems like obvious integration, right? Like, how do you right. not do that? Um, yeah, no, nobody's done that yet, and it's so simple. And if you just did that, like, especially since a lot of these games are trying to go all voice acted anyway, it's like, well, dude, if you're going to do that, make being in a party, make having that conversation. I mean, with Elder Scrolls in particular, let's be honest, the Elder Scrolls, the main Elder Scrolls crowd that's going to keep coming back those are the people that are there like me for immersion. And that is so that that is the perfect way to put immersion in there. Like just doing that little bit would make ESO instantly a thousand times better. Yeah. Just overnight. 
I would play that game 100% more. Like, trying well, to play that with some of our old guildmates, like uh, like Tampon and whatnot, like, oh, fuck, yeah, I would do that. Well, I would play that like, game a hell of a lot more. Like, the combat in Star Wars The Old Republic, like, they have at least interesting effects. They have, like, cool abilities. It feels like you're pretty pretty frequently getting new abilities and skills all the way through the end of the game. Um, and there's a lot of options as far as builds, whereas like secret world was just like convoluted. Like if you don't do it the right way, your character may as well not exist. Um, and it's difficult to do anything. And star Wars, the old Republic again, does that set piece thing where there are the intermediary areas. Yeah. But you generally traverse traverse those on a like taxi of some sort, whether it be a speeder bike or, a, you know, like a sky car or something like that. Um, and if you really want to, you can run your ass through there and fight some random monsters here and there. Um, the one th- that game fell for me really short on gameplay. Um, and it's not that the gameplay was necessarily bad. Just, but it felt inconsequential. Like I got two abilities at the beginning of the game. Twenty levels left. Uh, levels later, I'm using the same two abilities. I don't know what my new abilities do. It doesn't really seem to matter because all of the buttons are shoot a gun some way, use the lightsaber one way or another. Like yeah, it, it has that kind there. of old school MMO thing for sure. Where it, it took a few too many pages out of World of Warcraft's book, where it's like use your swing your axe but instead of just swinging your axe you make the enemy slower when you do it you know what i mean like yeah there's a lot of that where it's like kind of do the same thing and like at some point i started using abilities because i was like man it looks real cool when i use my jet pack so i'm gonna use that once in a while yeah um and that's fine like i again that's what i signed up for that's what i went into and i will say that game gets the award for letting players do some of the most devious fucked up dark side bullshit in any game. Like you can do some really horrific things. If you play a dark side, um, what do they call them? A Sith warrior. If you're playing dark side, right? That's what you want. So there's the differences though. There's like the brutal, like just like on the chin bully dark side, like, of course I'm going to kill you. I'm evil. And then there's, oh, I'm not going to kill you, but I know where your family lives. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they give you the option to be that next level evil motherfucker where you're not just like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to kill this guy. You can be like, no, I'm going to kill your whole family and make you watch. <laughs> like really <laughs> really dark shit or like yeah you can go but i'm gonna keep your hand like you know what i mean just like really they kind of nailed the dark side stuff the light side stuff feels a little bit too like goody two shoes and i think i i guess that's the point right yeah, I don't know. I, it doesn't have the same nuance, in my opinion. It's a little all too on the nose. That's one of the things. I think a lot of games don't do the light side, dark side thing all that well. Like they I was always close. a big fan of. I, I liked. I was like a big fan of Fable, right? Which um, that that was hit and miss in the series, though. Like some of the dark right. side stuff and light side stuff was bad. Well, 
but most of it was like, do you want to save this person or kill this person? Do you give them back this thing or do you steal it? Do you lie or do you tell the truth? And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. very basic. And, and it's, you go one of two ways in most games. Like, if you want to, if you want to complete the game, if well, you want to like, get the good ending, if you yeah. want to do get all the best equipment, you have to do the light side stuff. If you want to play a funnier game or have a little more fun, you play the dark side stuff, but you miss out on most of the content. And Star Wars Ill Republic was one of the two that were like, oh no, you're going to play through all the content, um, but how this story ends is entirely up to you. Right. Um, light side could have been approved a little more. It could have been a little more in-depth. Um, but, but it's, it's also bad. it's also interesting too though because every class has their own story yes. it's not it's not just one story regardless of whether you play a rogue or a warrior like world of warcraft has one story if you play horde or alliance like you get basically the same story with a few different details here or there for like your you level. Get a, you get a your... special quest that nobody else gets. Yeah. To yeah you get something. like one or two quest lines that are for your class or your race. Um, whereas star Wars, the old Republic has like fucking 10 whole separate storylines that are like 60 hours each. And that's, and you'll go to, you'll go to similar areas that other people will go to. But you'll talk but like to totally your, different NPCs. Do yeah, your motivation quests. in the universe is just different. Well, and you'll even be fighting different enemies. Like some yeah. players don't even go to the other areas that certain classes do. Like a lot of the content I got, I got because you guys played shit that I didn't want to play. And so I'm helping you guys with your story and we're, we're off doing something entirely separate. Even if we're in the same area, th this is a whole nother story. And it was kind of nice too. Because in most MMOs, I feel like it's fucking frustrating if it's like, okay, well, hold up real quick because I need to go over here and do this quest that doesn't reward you in any way and you don't get anything for it. Right. You know, it's just something I have to do. That's annoying. As to where Star Wars, there's still rewards no matter what you're doing. It's like, hey, man, I got a quest line over here. Let's do this. And then you don't want to move on to anyone else's story until you finish that quest line because it's one cohesive story. And you want to know what's going to happen next, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, they, you, you get invested in a story that's not even yours. Right. Yeah. There, there's a reason to go do stuff with other people. It's worth it. That game really hit storytelling and MMOs right on the fucking head. Honestly, um, I don't think another game has gotten there. It hasn't. It's, it's upsetting. Like, I think elder, elder scrolls online is the closest, but that game also kind of has that empty feeling where it's like, Oh yeah, you want me to go save your family or find your missing thing or your missing pet or oh you're under siege and oh there's a dark ritual. There's a lot of just tropes and just generic quests. Whereas well, like Star Wars Yeah, they're not impactful. They're not. You can choose whatever the hell Guild Wars or an ESO, you can choose whatever yeah. the hell you want. And Whereas it'll like, change the dialogue, but it doesn't change the story or the quest really in any way. Right. As to where, where it Star Wars, a lot in Star Wars, yeah, it's a legitimate storyline. Like it actually affects what happens to the point where, like, if you don't pick the right choices in some cases, you don't end up with like followers, like assistant characters that you might have gotten if you had been like, "Oh yeah, fuck that guy," and they're like, "Yeah, I think fuck that guy too." Um, you know, or vice versa. Okay. I, I didn't, I can't really talk about Terra. I didn't, I, I think I, Terra was one of those games where like I picked up and tried for like a day. 
so, I've never touched it again. So it's it's similar in gameplay to Black Desert Online with a little bit more of the World of Warcraft spin on it. So it's not as combo based and it has a skill bar, but it does have like the left click attack, right click attack, block sort of thing going on. Yeah. Um I I actually like Terra more than I like Black Desert Online because it feels a little bit more traditional questy MMOE. Yeah, that's one of the things that I wasn't a really big fan of in BDO. And it does have a consistent storyline. I don't like that it has the character class-based lock system where, like, you gotta play a female tiny bunny character girl that looks like a 12-year-old kid, which is awkward as fuck, if you want to play the Lancer class or something like that, you know? Yeah, I don't really um, like, like character creation in games that's restricted. You gotta at play all. the female elf if you want to be a gunner. Like really random bullshit. I'll be honest, I I understand story wise why they why they lock some things in World of Warcraft, but I don't even like it there. Where it's just like I really want to play uh like a ranger right now, but I also really want to be an undead character, and it's like no, okay. Well, it's like all the play things that can play a ranger, I don't want to be. So, fantastic. And I, I always have a trouble making characters in games like World of Warcraft, because all the things I want to do, I really can't. And I understand yeah. that there's, like, story reasons why I can't do it, but from a gameplay perspective... Well, and they relented on all that, right? Like, you can be an degree. undead... No, to a complete degree. You can be an undead hunter. Yeah, You can be an undead paladin. Like, there's a few. Like, very, very few. few very few um and like where there is a restriction it's i i'm not even upset at it because there's so few uh, no the biggest thing that annoys me now is they're like there's a bunch of different like sub races and yeah. new races that you can play but you have to grind out all of the old end game content before you can start a new character on one of them they eh. they had to find a way to get people to grind out stuff that they were never gonna do like, at some point, they were like, we can't make enough content fast enough. How do we do this? Well, we make a quest where we give them new content, but first they have to do all the old content. That way, people can't just skip to the new stuff if they want yeah. the special new shiny thing. Well, it's really annoying. It sucks, it's like, but I get I want to play, play one of the new races. Like, that's what was going to bring me back to new world of warcraft and it's well, like oh and that's well you have to do this quest first with a max level character you don't have and i'm like oh well, i don't want to play this anymore again and like, you know what that's kind of where i'm okay with like microtransactions where it's like i don't have the time for this because i have a job but because i have a job i have 20 bucks to give you so i don't have to spend 26 hours well no fuck that to a certain extent because the whole content comes from the expansion pack i already I bought the damn expansion pack. Like, I already paid the money. Give me the damn thing. What do you mean I bought the expansion content, well, but I still have to do the yeah, old expansion I, content I to guess. get any of the new stuff? Like, I guess, but I'm, I'm saying if it's not tied to an expansion pack that you purchase. Right. Like, if, yeah, it's, if, they, if it's like, hey, we introduced a new race that you can grind to unlock. Like, I'm okay with people being like, I have money and not time because that's a real thing. Sure. Um, I'm never going to be upset when people are like, you can unlock this thing so that you can play it. Um, but I do get a little bit upset when people are like, Hey, you know, 
you can just pay to get the best stuff and be overpowered. You know what I I'm mean? I'm really I'm really annoyed with the uh every game that's like more than a year old doing the here's a booster that just lets you make a max level character with high level gear. I I hate it. I hate it so much. I mean, I do and I, I know don't some, because I've taken some, advantage of it quite a few times and been like, well, I would legitimately never play this again if I couldn't do this. I I still don't want to do it, even with the max level character option. Like, I just, I hate them so much. Um, I mean, like, I did that in Guild Wars. Um, well, see, where they were Guild like, Wars... hey, here's a max level character. Try out something new. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll come back and check it out. And then immediately left again. Um, Guild Wars 1 had a system which I liked, which was you can make two different kinds of characters. You can make a role-playing character where you start at the beginning and you go through all the story. Or you can make a PvP character. You'll be on a separate server, everybody's max level, pick the build you want to build, and then go do all the endgame shit. Okay. Like... I, I was fine with there being a separate section for that, for the people that want to do that. You people go stand in a room away from me. Totally cool with that. <laughs> right. Uh, let's see. Neverwinter. I, I just loaded up and played a little bit of Neverwinter a couple days ago. Um, and I don't know what it is about that game, but I don't like it that much. Yeah, it it's got a bad feel. That's actually I wanted to talk about it. Like it everything about it seems fine. Like it's got cool abilities, interesting classes. The story was actually surprisingly good. Like it, it right. was it was investing in the first quest where you kind of like learn how to play the game. It was just like, "Oh yeah, this is kind of cool. Like the characters are neat, the story's neat, abilities look cool." And the more I played it, I was like, "This just feels bad." Like everything about it just feels like it's like the microwave dinner of MMOs. <laughs> that's that's pretty accurate. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I can't put my finger on it, but everything about it just feels like this is like so bland and mediocre. It's I like, mean, it made, it made me really want to play D&D Online again because it's like it's a newer version of that, but not quite as good. It, it's an okay. updated graphical and UI version with a watered-down soul. <laughs> yeah. Like, it just felt like... And they immediately pushed the whole microtransaction thing, too, which didn't help. They were just I mean, like, hey, some... spend some money and buy some stuff and do some things. And I was like, nah, man, I'm I'm just playing the game. Like, if it's good, I might I might buy something, but... You haven't sold me. Yeah, I had a few friends that grinded out uh, all the endgame stuff on that game. And, like, it, even at endgame, it, you know, it looks meh. Well, like, I didn't look at, I never looked at that game and was like, I really want to play that. So, I usually looked at that game and was like, I have free time. I feel like, uh, I feel like Black Desert Online is a similar thing where it's kind of hollow. Like it's more, it's, it's an action based RPG where like you're using combos and skills and you're like leveling up skills that you like to use more for different abilities. Like instead of like just spinning around, now it spins around and knocks enemies up so that you can combo into it. Like there's a lot of depth there, but ultimately 
the problem I have with that game is it's never hard. It's always like use the biggest combo, kill as many enemies as fast as you can. It's always about efficiency and never about skill at any point. Um, I you know I don't even mind that. I just never got into the world. Yeah, it it feels it so bland. Bad. It's I just, just so yeah. generic. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I just didn't it looks, care. It looks incredible. It's one of the prettiest MMOs out there. Um, like that and Elder Scrolls, I think, are some of the best looking games that have ever been put out. And Final Fantasy fourteen, they I, all I, look amazing. I, Guild Wars two has a special place in my heart. That game is still one of my favorite. It's got a great style. It's one of my favorite games aesthetically. See, I like they really. I prefer Guild Wars one to two, even aesthetically. I I didn't I. I don't know. You didn't play quite as much Guild Wars as I did either, uh, too. Um, no. I mean, I, like, I played a lot, but... The beginning of that game is is kind of bland, and you're starting off in areas that are like, you know, this is just a small farm area outside of this city. You know, it's not that impressive. But, like, the further into the game you get, they, they get well, more I mean, and like, more ridiculous just, with the scenery. Even just the great. art style, though. Like, I, I like the oh, yeah. art style of one better. Like I, I just liked the general look of the game more. I don't know. Yeah, I was. It's all I, preference I mean, I, for sure. I went back and played Guild Wars one too, and I'm I I, I appreciate two so much more now. Um, um, it was a it was a real pretty game. I, I my biggest problem with that game is I want to start a new character, and I'm I'm not a big fan of the actual character like the actual races you can play as. Yeah, it's not great. The like, character creation is real limited, and the characters you can pick from are. There's so meh. few abilities. Like it's it's probably yeah, the oh, smallest the ability pool of any game. Like it's got well, less abilities than a Diablo game. No, no, there's quite a few abilities in Guild Wars. It's just that you can only have a few, and so you'll end up like you know one of my max level characters. I have you know I have well over a hundred abilities for sure. I'm only ever going to use six, so I'm just going to pick my six favorite and never touch the rest of them. Yeah. I don't I don't care. You know? So. Yeah. Elder Scrolls was on PC first, and then they did launch it on console. But you have to have a subscription, or not a subscription, but you have to have an online thing, like PSN or Xbox Live. Live, yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, and I think Final Fantasy fourteen is on console, too. And Black Desert Online is, I know. With Final Fantasy fourteen, I don't know if you have to have an online subscription though. You do have to subscribe to fourteen. Yeah. Well no, I meant for like Xbox Live or PSN. Like I think if you pay for that game subscription monthly, you can oh, still yeah. access it. Yeah, you can just pay for the subscription to Final Fantasy, I believe. But Elder Scrolls, because it can be free, then you do have to have Xbox Live. And then you can pay extra to get all their extra bonus crap. Which, to be fair, is not that expensive. And I like their model of, like, if you're one of the people that'll choose to actually give us money on a regular basis, my, you just get all the content. My issue with Elder Scrolls and their subscription base is they want you to pay monthly for storage space. Like, if, yeah, you, yeah, want, that's annoying. if, if you want to be able to do crafting in that game at all, you 100% have to subscribe. And if you plan on playing that game more than an hour a day, you have to subscribe or you will not have the storage space. And it will be a nightmare. Um, 
I, I feel like storage space is one of those things that people have always monetized and continue to monetize. And it's actually probably the worst possible thing to do because it's like, Hey, do you want me to play your game more? Well then don't put a wall in front of me that I have to pay to get past. Yeah. I don't really like having paywalls for stuff. Um, I'm always fine with cosmetics. Yeah. One of the things I've liked about guild wars is nothing is really off limits to you. Like you, you have to buy the expansions, sure. Um, but the only time, like, you can also get storage upgrades. It's never necessary for the most part in that game. I've been playing it for years, and I very rarely ever have a storage issue. Yeah. Um, and that's mostly because I, I could I could use up a lot of storage by using my boosters. I just have, like, several hundred boosters sitting in my bank that I'll never touch. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's not a big deal in that game. Most of the microtransactions is for shit like, hey, do you want uh, to go around in a wedding dress for role-playing reasons? $5. It's like, if I ever feel like doing that, sure. Well, and, <laughs> like, a lot of games even go to the extent of, like, you can in-game marry another character. Yeah, ESO has that. I have, yeah. I have one of those rings or whatever. Yeah, like, you can legitimately get married in-game. And while I, I think that's stupid, I know there's a lot of people that are really excited because they're like, I met my spouse in this game, and it's so cool because we're married in-game too. And it makes me wonder, like, if they get divorced, do they have to, like, send them gold every month? <laughs> like, do you become a gold farmer to pay your your, uh, your child I really support hope somebody in put, game? I, I hope somebody put that in as part of, like, a divorce lawsuit. You know what? I'm sure someone has. Like, I'm I don't sure even someone has. Um, uh, no, that that added level of immersion is great. It's the little things I think a lot of games just don't bother to, to put in. It's like little extra pieces that allow the immersion. Well, like, like, wow, actually MMOs, does a good job with that. Like that, they were one of the older MMOs that actually did a good job with like. You know, there were a lot of people that would have like weddings and funerals. Like, there's a famous super famous youtube video of the the funeral in world of warcraft that got crashed and attacked yeah i remember um, that one and it was people were so upset and everybody was like yeah it's a video game what the fuck do you expect <laughs> but no i mean it's, it's cool that people have taken it to to such a serious degree and that games are starting to you yeah. know allow for that a little more i mean so yeah, you, you paid X amount for a console and you got to pay to play online. Well, yeah, I I paid a lot for my car and I still have to pay for the gas to drive it. And the insurance. Yeah, like that service isn't free for them to run. It costs them money to run that service. So, yes, you, you do have to pay for it. And it's like 100 bucks a year. I think you can actually get it for 50 The The big question with games is... In order to make it accessible, you know, especially with it being a game, it needs to be more for children or for people with free time. Yeah. And those are usually the people that don't have a lot of money. So the question is always, how do you fairly and in a balanced way get people to spend money on this game while not requiring it as much as possible? And unfortunately, with as much manpower as games take nowadays... Um, and with as much money that goes into them, that's just a really hard line to really I feel figure like, out. 
I feel like the games that are going to make it anyway, though, are the ones that are successful enough that people are playing it and want to play it. And they're going to buy cosmetics. So yep. I, I, I really feel like the answer is you, you offer cosmetics and if people are buying them and excited about them and they're playing the game and telling their friends about it and showing them how cool that new cosmetic is, like check out my, you know, awesome skin. Um, that's the thing that makes the game work. It's not, you know, like, oh man, I, I like this game so much. I want to do crafting. I better start paying them. Yeah. I mean, to, to Elder Scrolls, uh, to, to the upside of that game, um, a lot of the cosmetics you can buy at least are really cool. So, like, there's been plenty of times where I've been hanging out with my guild where it's just like, oh, hey, look at this new thing I bought. And everyone's like, oh, shit, that's dope. How much was that? Like, Well, and just like when we were playing know. Rocket League the other night and I had the the nuclear explosion when you score a goal you were like holy shit that's shit. so cool see that's dope i want that yeah i feel like made way too many games like you know i've been playing a lot of dead by daylight and they have cosmetics that you can buy in there and a lot of them you can grind out but not all of them right right and whether you buy them or grind them out it's just like okay well this person wears jeans like light blue jeans and like a red flannel shirt for five dollars she can wear dark blue jeans and a purple flannel shirt. I'm like, great. Right. And that like, so again, <laughs> like this keeps coming up because like, I'm really impressed with their business model is path of exile. So you look like a fucking hobo in South park. If you don't give them money. Yeah. Pretty but accurate. You, but you can play everything in that game without spending a dime. It's a hundred percent free. There's nothing you ever have to spend a penny on. Um, and you can have just as good of an experience. But if you want your character to look like a gothic fucking warrior from the olden times or like Thor's warrior or, you know, a dark wizard or, you know, whatever aesthetic you want that they offer, you can spend between five and fifty dollars and buy a supporter pack for like between 20 and $400 um, and get some really cool cosmetics, you know, that makes your character look cool. So if you're going to spend hundreds of hours staring at this character, you can choose to spend a little bit of money and support them. And like I dropped like 25 bucks on stash tabs so that I could organize my stuff better. And it wasn't necessary, but I, I think I had played the game like 500 hours at that point. And I was like, I'm comfortable giving you $25 because I know I'm getting my money's worth because I already did. Well, that's how I was in Guild Wars, right? I got to a max level character and was like, all right, I'm going to do, I'm going to max out some of the other stuff I haven't done yet. And like that game rewards you for going to every single location, every point of interest, every vista in the game. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to see every inch of this game. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, my bank was already, I had already been playing it for a couple of years. I've got tons of these extra spare rare items and stuff. I'll pay 10 bucks to get some extra storage space. I'll pay 20 bucks to make my armor look like something I actually want to look at. Because I'm going to be looking at them for a while while I'm running from point A to point B for long periods of time. 
you know, I got well enough adjusted to this game where you're right. Yeah, I don't mind spending a couple of bucks on this. I don't pay a subscription. There really isn't any reason I shouldn't well, throw down some money. And in like Path of Exile's case, they're putting out a whole new expansion every three months for free. Yeah. Yeah, when the game like gives more you that than much, most, you when the game's going to give you all of that for free all the time, it makes yeah. you want to give them money. Right, and they're giving you, you know? more in these free expansions than most games give you in $60 paid expansions. Oh, yeah, for like, sure. They're giving you, like, 10 new skills, like, 100 new cosmetics, a whole new quest line, a new mechanic, a new skill tree. Like, they're revamping the way entire systems work and fixing tons and tons of bugs. Like, they're legitimately doing more in three months than 95% of other games do in a year. And that's yeah. honestly pretty incredible. Um, I I still find it fascinating that original EverQuest is still coming out with content. You that, know, that blows my mind. I feel like it's kind of got the sports fan thing, right? Like somebody that's just like dedicated to their team and they're going to show up to every game. I feel like they've got the sports fan dedicated crowd. That's like, fuck it, man. I've been playing EverQuest since I was like fucking 10 I'm going to log in and play for an hour every day because I don't go to the gym. So I'm doing this. <laughs> like, I really want to find an M- an M- MMO that I really like that I can get into from the beginning. Um, like that, that's kind of the hard thing about okay. World of Warcraft, so, right? Cause it's been around for so long, but I want to be able to be like, well, I've been playing this game for eight years. So hey, I, there's a new piece of story. Cool. I do want to wrap this up actually. Cause I feel like two hours is a pretty good runtime for each episode of this. And then yeah. we'll make it like a six hour series. I think that's a really good um like transition point. So like upcoming MMOs, like something that we can look forward to, something that's like, what can I get into that's like a new MMO that I can play for the next ten years or something like that? Um Is there any what's coming out? Like, yeah, and, and absolutely. Spoilers, there's very, very few. There's not a lot of MMOs coming out anymore these days, people. I'm actually um, pretty excited about that. I'm not going to lie. I, I feel like the ones that come out are a lot higher quality. We're going right. to talk about stuff like Ember, which is the successor to Firefall. New World, which looks like it'll be cool. I don't think it's going to be my cup of tea. Um, Fantasy Star Online 2, which comes out in a week from today, actually. Seven days from today on con- or on PC. It's already out on console in early access. Got Star Citizen that might come out eventually, maybe. Eventually, maybe. Eventually, maybe. Um, probably not. And then Temtem, which we'll talk about. That's like kind of an MMO. It's Pokemon as an MMO. Which um, I think it qualifies. And if, if you at all... Uh, have the money and have the feels to play elite at any point in the future i'd love to sit and I, talk with you about that a bit i'm 100 percent gonna play that game awesome um i'm actually planning on downloading it tonight um i was Please watching a bunch of videos me. on it i've been waiting for someone um, else to play that game with me for fucking ever you know what's really sad is the thing that convinced me to try that game was somebody selling their fast fancy ship uh to buy a space bus so that they could fit a hundred passengers instead of 20 passengers. Yeah. And be more efficient and make more money so they could grind their rep. And I was like, 
I don't know what it says about me as a person, but that's what I want in a video game is efficiency and economy. Um, <laughs> you, are so... gonna, you will love that game because that is a lot of it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'll be honest, that game has a lot of combat in it. I have played that game yeah. for like 20 hours. I've gone into a fight one time and I do everything I can to avoid them because I am not good at them. <laughs> yeah. It, it looked like, uh, it looked like Eve with a more friendly interface. Basically. Oh yeah. A more immersive the, interface. The interface feels and looks a lot better. There's 90% of it. You can ignore. Yeah. Um, but if you don't want to ignore it, it has significance at the same time. Like I, it took me years of playing that game to find out that uh, I, I could basically turn my headlights on and off. Yeah, you don't really need to do it, but the fact that I can, like, I'll just flash my headlights every now and then because I fucking know that I could do that now. I <laughs> I went warp speed and then found out that I could manually just shut off the power to my whole ship. Just watch what happens. <laughs> Fantastic! It's fun to be able to just do shit like that. My, so. Yeah, and like I. I heard the story of I, so I watch a YouTuber called the Mighty Jingles, um, and he's an older gentleman that plays a lot of like World of Tanks and like warships and historical games. Um, and he was playing um, Elite Dangerous, and he's just like, so the first time I had a crew of um, illegal refugees or slaves on my my ship and i was like man i got all the stuff checked off i they're you know i'm gonna manually land the ship so they don't scan me and find all these passengers and he didn't realize he needed a life support module so when he got to the destination he had a cargo hold full of meat instead of passengers <laughs> And I was like, well, I'm in. <laughs> I never have that problem because I always like equip. I, I watch too much Star Trek to not equip my ship properly. That's fucking funny. I've never tried that. He he just didn't realize that was a thing. Like you, he assumed that was like built in. You know what I mean? Like life yeah. support systems, which to be fair, should be built in. Well, so generally they are, but you can re-equip your ship. And if you decide... I want more engine efficiency. I guess this life support node's not that important. Well, you could do that. <laughs> I you sure can. It. You sure you sure can if, do it. If you're hauling a whole lot of not living things, that works. So the the way the ships work in that game is very much like it's like buying a car. Like you'll go to a used car lot and you'll be like, I want this ship, right? right. And it comes and it's got all the standard features in it. And then you can go to the, you know, outfitters and be like, all right, I want you to customize my ship like this and this and this. I want you to do whatever this bitch out. Yeah. But if you decide that, you know, you wanted to remove your engine and replace it with a television, don't be surprised when your car doesn't run. (laughs) (laughs) They'll do it and they'll charge you for it. (laughs) Yep. And then you'll be real shit out of luck when you're like, well, I can't make any more money because my ship doesn't move. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, all right. But I, I'm excited to try that game. Actually, I I thought that I realize it's not going to be glamorous or exciting when I start playing it. Um, but I it looks good. It for you. looks cool. 
you're the kind of person like you and me will jump onto an MMO and just kind of try to like grind and chill, you know, not right. try that hard, just bullshit, watch some YouTube. That game is perfect for that. It, it's a good background sort of thing with enough of a story and information. Yep, it's got just enough flavor. It's got those long term goals. It it does very much does. Yeah, like, that game. That's usually what I play. If you jump offline, I'm just watching YouTube. I'll just jump on Elite Dangerous for a little while. I'm like, yeah, I'll go make some money, <laughs> move some like, cargo from here to there. I tried. I tried. Uh, is it Star Citizen? No. What what's the game that failed and came back? No Man's Sky. Yeah, I tried No Man's Sky, and it was a little bit bland for me. It it seemed a lot like you got to build this thing to get off this planet and discover these things. Um, it didn't, it didn't feel long-term goal to me. It seemed like the long-term goal was just discover more bullshit. Yeah. Elite dangerous is a little less Minecraft than a little more space capitalism. Yeah. Where it's just like, well, here's your starter equipment. Figure it out, nerd. Yeah. How how are you going to make money? Yeah. It's a great way to go. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it adds that layer of what do you want to do? Like you can go mining, you can be a trader, you can go fight pirates, which I might actually do some of that stuff now that I have a second person to watch my ass in space. Yeah. And you can also, I I'm not sure how you do this. I know they added the expansion where you can actually land on planets. Yep. Um, which I've done once or twice. And then you can also, we can both be in a ship together, I believe. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, I have a, I have a two seater right now. My second seat's always empty, uh, and I can't hire a co pilot. So I think that's just so I can have a co op partner. That's cool. Um, but we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, I'm I'm actually really excited to try that game out. Um, and I've been watching some YouTube stuff, trying to kind of like figure out what to do when I get started, so I don't like screw myself myself over long term, which is weird to be like. I need to figure out how to play this video game before I even buy it. I'll, I'll be honest. But it seems like that kind of game. It's not really. Uh, I thought it was too, because I spent a lot of time trying to figure it out. Um, I can help you with almost everything at the beginning. It's not really that difficult. It's really hard to fuck yourself over. Uh, at the same time, learning to fly the ship. That's probably going to be the biggest hurdle, is just learning how to fly the ship. I think my ship has autopilot. I don't know if they made that. I think they made that the standard on all ships. It didn't used to be. But, like, properly landing your ship used to be Yeah, they, they do difficult. have a, a docking computer. Yeah, but I honestly would turn it off at the beginning just so you can learn how to do it if you need to. Because some places you need to do it. Yeah, or, like, if you don't want scanned and whatnot. Yeah, and... That game really makes you feel like you are flying a goddamn spaceship. Let me tell you what, that's that feels like a real simulation. Yeah. Um, I, I also found out from a YouTube video that when you use the autopilot to like the it like autopilots you from like outer space to a destination. And yeah. It like jumps through warp space several times. When you get to your destination, it doesn't actually stop your ship. Nope. So it keeps going, and this guy was like, I went and got a hot cup of coffee, and I came back, and my spaceship was driving itself into the space station. Well, the other thing is, so it's not just the autopilot. When you are going from system to system, 
the systems are designated scientifically, so they're all revolving around whatever yeah. sun is there. So you might just end up driving into the sun if you're not. Yeah, you'll attention. just drive straight into it's the like, sun if you don't stop or turn or something. It's like, it ha- it's like a Tesla. It has autopilot, but you still have to keep your hands on the wheel. <laughs> Except Dude, there's space. been a few times. Uh, there's been a few times where my destination is right like over the horizon of the sun when I get there. Right, right. And so you want to be like, it looks like you can just barely go over the sun. But the problem is you also still have to account for heat. Right. So if you don't go high enough up, your, your whole thing just starts. You turn into slowly explode. Like you'll literally see smoke and steam pop up in your cockpit because it's getting too fucking hot. <laughs> System starts shutting down. Right. It's like, yeah, maybe don't fly that close to the sun, dumbass. <laughs> if I had a nickel. I, I like games that, uh, I like games that hold your hand a little bit, but not the whole way, you know? Yeah. And like, I, I actually, I, I want to go and look into star citizen because like, I've read all the shitty articles about that game. I've, I've only never read the good articles about that game, but I stopped reading them like fucking three years ago. I I've never actually like seen how that game plays. And I'm curious now, like, I, I want to know well. about it. I don't, I don't think I want to invest in it. Like, I don't think I'd spend money to play it until it's, like, officially out, like, in Same. some miracle scenario where that game actually launches. I'm super interested in playing it. Um, But we're at such a long time period now where I'm just like, I don't trust you to actually release more than a demo of this game after 10 years of people donating a billion dollars and you not being able to put out a video game. Yeah. Like at some point they need to be like, okay, here's the game 1.0. We're really going now instead of build 9.9.3.7.9.852. You know what I mean? If if it ever fully releases, even if they're like, it's, it's early access, but it is a fully game that you can play through. You can play. Yeah. Then I'll then I'll put some money down. It looks yeah. I I'd play sixty. Bu- I'd pay sixty bucks to try something out that's been a phenomenon as far as earning and fundraising and you know L- looks pretty. Looks nice. It looks cool. If I could spend yeah. sixty bucks and get you know a, a starter ship or two and sure, sure, yeah, absolutely. Sure. But, uh, yeah, so I think, uh, Friday we're gonna, we're gonna resume this conversation. We're going to talk about Ember a little bit. Um, I might even talk to Mark Kern, the guy who is building that game and see if he would be interested in like some input for the show Friday. Oh, that'd Um, be wonderful. And I need to do a little research on new world. I know that game has gone through some changes going from purely PVP to purely PVE to now being some of each apparently. Um, and then Fantasy Star Online 2, I'm I'm going to try it out. Like, I like Fantasy Star Online. I didn't want to play it on console, so I've been waiting for PC, which is going to be after the podcast Friday, but we'll talk about it. Um, I'm going to try it for, if for nothing else, nostalgia. Yeah, exactly. Um, Star Citizen, obviously I'm going to look into that a little bit. And then I... I I'll check in on Temtem again. I'm, I I need to log in and at least see if there's any like UI changes or 
if there's anything noticeable different, but we'll, I've read we'll talk a more lot of, about a that. lot of changes. Uh, and they and they have a nice roadmap where they're constantly adding new things. So we have to definitely yeah. check and back then, up on uh, that. And then we've got some conversations on monetization, like pay models, subscriptions, free to play, buy to play, where like you buy the game once for like twenty bucks, sixty dollars, whatever the price, and then it's free. Like you don't pay a monthly fee. Um microtransactions i feel like we've covered that pretty well but we can talk a little more about like the loot box thing um and then i feel like we should probably talk about like housing and mounts and that sort of thing a little bit oh housing and mounts i can talk about a a great deal for sure and then we've got like cultural impact like movies tv shows so you've got like dot hack sword art online no game no life tron is a great example which is basically like the precursor to things like dot hack and sword art online right oh, what was uh what was the newest one uh ready player one yeah that, i couldn't think of the name of that but yeah ready player one with like the vr bullshit and then video game high school on netflix is like oh my god one of my favorite modern video game tv shows oh i was watching that while it was slowly coming out i was a big fan of that yeah it was so good and like i was so sad when the the asian dad died i forget his name He's um, the one that actually makes like the actual the, uh, actor. Yeah. He was like but the he, real producer, right? He's yeah. It, it, so his, all of his YouTube stuff was the reason that I had gotten into that in the first place. Um, and now I can't remember what the hell his name is. And it's going to drive me crazy, but we'll, we'll get that information for the next podcast. So we don't sound like idiots, but yeah, if, if you want some MMO stuff and you can't play an MMO, check out, um, dot hack, which you'll also see dot hack sign and dot hack reboot and all kinds of different bullshit. It's an anime like cartoon, uh, anime. sword art. On- yes. an anime, um, sword art online for you weebs. Oh, um, and, and speaking of weebs, uh, if you like sword art online, the, the games, the ga- are I'm going to buy that. The, the games mimic a lot of MMLs, uh, MMO stuff, and they're I think they're all on sale on Steam they're, right they now. They are all on sale, and I'm going to buy one of them because it was like $12, and it actually had really good reviews, and I really like that show. I was thinking about doing that um, too. And then uh, I, I started watching No Game, No Life. It's a little bit pervy. A lot bit pervy. Oh, and, I you know, I got another another big one here that we missed. Um, the, the Guild. Yeah, The Guild is a good one. Yep. Um, and video game high school is the other one that I would say is the quintessential, like video game MMO gamer TV show. Like I, I think that's probably number one for me. Yeah, I am no argument for me. I fucking love that thing. Like everything video gaming as a TV show, it, it's probably the best. Where it's like snarky enough and like self aware enough that it's just fun. But, uh, yeah. So, all right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Um, go check out some, uh, some video game TV. And next week we'll talk about uh, upcoming MMOs and cultural impact. Yep. Have a good one. But, yeah, thanks for hanging out, guys. Have a good night. Zero, have a good night, sir. Any bad teen?